This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonalds. Uh, it's been a big weekend for you, Damon. How are you feeling? We are recovering. That's what we're doing. Uh, it is. It's, it was great. It, what, a, what a great week um, and a great two days meeting everyone and a great pro wrestling show, the the G One, and a great job by New Japan fans and a great job by the the promotion. I thought I thought it was a win. All the way around, I had a great time. I'm I'm recovering, uh, <laughs> slowly, slowly but surely recovering. Um, as always with uh, travel, it does it does beat me up a little bit, but it was great. Um, I feel good, and I'm excited. I was excited to get the show. I felt terrible not being able to go yesterday, but uh, it just wasn't going to happen. So um, today we are we are ready to go. We got a voice back and. Let's 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 talk opening G one and let's talk New Japan Pro Wrestling as we like to do here on the Super J Cast. Let's open up with my favorite new segment of the show, and we have a brilliant new musical stinger provided us by the genius that is Andrew T. Rich. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich and listen to his excellent podcast, Music of the Map. And now it's time. Now it's time. Now it's time. It is a highly sexually charged photo. When we talk about fuck energy in our Discord, maybe even a little S&M symbolism. For some sexy fan The Dom, if you will. It does stir an emotion, but it's weird as fuck. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's extremely sensual. Yes. David. Yes. So this is the sexy fan art. And I'm going to send you today's piece of sexy fan art. And if you want to follow this user, well, they, they locked their account on Twitter because we were discussing their art last time. And I think, I, I don't know if they got a bit shy from the attention or I don't know what happened, but you can follow them on Instagram, uh, userfriendly555. So Damon, if you open up your WhatsApp and talk to us about what you can see in today's piece of sexy fan art. All right. Let's see here. This is just gets exciting. Now, all right. Now, this is right up my this is right up my speed here. We have um, we have the Lady Rainmaker is what we have. This is really good, actually. Um, so it's it's a, a young lady uh, dressed in very. Uh, it's almost like a cross between Asuka, the Asuka look, and uh, the Okada look. So uh, it's, it's like a little uh, bikini with the. What are they called? The little legging strap things that hook to a garter belt, I guess. Um, but it's in like the Okada colors, and she's doing a, a Rainmaker pose. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, the artwork maybe back in the day where you could uh, you could stylize a uh, a Barbie, but it was like a it was like an illustration where you could put different outfits on her. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about, Joel? Yeah, I've seen... You can get that on your fridge these days. Magnetic, you put the clothes on them. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, right? Um, and then I don't know what she's is, doing. Is this on. not just like a, a Okada that's a woman? Like a, yeah. I don't know. 
yeah. <laughs> a lady of I, right yeah and and, it, and you know it's like uh yeah it's exactly what it is and then uh but then there's like this little silhouette and it's in she's thinking of ice cream <laughs> is that what she's thinking of is that what the, yeah it's an ice cream cone yeah so <laughs> so so there you go uh i like this one i like this one a lot actually um lady lady rainmaker it says at the top so i like it this one this one is sharp i like the i like the art see i like this kind of dark outline art and the shading i like the shading on the blush this looks good yes the, the rosy red cheeks yeah yeah the cans look great too <laughs> um, everything's doing good uh it's nice. kind of making me want to see the real okada wearing suspenders yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm good with this picture. This, just, this is just a good picture. This is this is a big this is this is a big step forward for us because uh, I like this one. This one's this one's this one's a nice one. Well done. Who's the artist? User friendly five five five. All right, five five five's got it going on. Nice job, five five five. Go check that out, people. Hopefully, I don't like them locking it down though. That wasn't. I didn't like that news. Um. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, cause them any grief. But, but the way I see this is that you're putting your, your art on on the interwebs, right? You want people to see it. You want people to, right? Is that what we're doing, or, or yeah, definitely? Don't want I that? mean, I, I maybe it's something lost in translation, but we are big, big fans of yes. Your work, if you're listening, yes, absolutely. So go check that out, peeps. Uh, uh, that's a good one. I like that one a lot. Good job. And if you see any sexy fan art that you would like to share with us and send it our way, we have a special channel devoted to it on our Discord. We do. All right, let's move into this week's news then. So first bit of news I've got here is information for the Super J Cup. The confirmed talent based on the, a card that someone found includes, uh, well, Liger's on the front, obviously, because he's in charge of the whole thing. We've got Will Ospreay, El Phantasmo, Sho, Yo, Dragon Lee, and Caristico. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, is there anybody in, in the history of pro wrestling that has competed in a New Japan Cup, a Best of the Super Juniors, a G1, and now a Super say, J no, Cup? I can answer that already. Yeah, uh, Osprey was the first person to do New Japan Cup, Best of the Super Juniors, and the G1. Right. So I would be quite surprised if anyone from this point onwards in the future enters all four of those competitions in one year that's quite an achievement for young will yeah i mean it's not like the the cup has been you know it's, it's they have it every year mind you but it is that is an amazing thing if, if, if you sit and think about that at that and and that name surprised me a lot i didn't expect to see his name of all people him he's got to just want to be in everything you know, at this point, he must be exhausted. He must be absolutely destroyed. Like, I can't understand how you could physically. I mean, I know we're only one night into the G1, but just by the end of it, come August, he must be destroyed. Right. Uh, do you really think that he's he's the guy that's going to take a night off? And I put that in the air quotes. Right. He's the, he's not that. He's not cut from that cloth. He's not. No, going to take... He would literally rather. I think he would rather die. Like. Just right. land on his head, then phone it in. Did you see any of his presser uh, from from the G one? Where he, he I makes... didn't. I, I mean, I will get onto the presser yeah, yeah. because I know you you upset him, didn't you? But uh, <laughs> we'll, didn't, we'll keep but our I... powder dry. <laughs> I, 
I didn't do it on purpose. I'm a professional broadcaster. I, I asked the hard-hitting questions. Yeah, professional broadcaster. Asking the tough questions, Damon. If, yes. You know, if you upset people along the way, so be it. You, if you want omelette, you've got to crack a few eggs. Uh, look, you want you, you people want, want, the, want the scoop. You get people want to know what's going on. I, I'm there for you. That's why, that's why I'm there. But um, also, uh, you know, he, I mean, he, 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 that's his happy place. You know, in the ring. So you know, I'm sure the more that he is in the ring, the 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 better off he feels about himself, right? And he pretty much admitted ring that. and Nando's. His yeah, two happy Nando's. places. That, that is true. That, well, I mean, listen, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would say that. Um, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do what makes you happy. The problem is, is that what makes him happy on the physical side of things is. That, that that is a that is a full, as you like to say, schedule. So it's fucked up. Um, the physical demand. Schedule. Is that what you say? How do you schedule. say schedule? Say schedule. The word schedule. <laughs> schedule. You say schedule. Sh- sh- schedule. Yeah. Like like where's the sched? Where's the k part? You don't you don't put the k part in, in schedule. I'm gonna have to look this up now because I, I yeah I know this is like a, a regional thing. You yeah. keep talking I, while I search for yeah, pronunciation. Right, right. <laughs> schedule. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of of things that you have to do during the day. Um, but again, he's he, you know, he's everybody's worried about him physically and keeping up that this pace. But uh, again, if mentally that's where he finds comfort and solace, then I you know I say go for it. Because because sometimes one is you need a balance in life. Listen to me, be the the fucking life coach here. Uh, you need that balance, um, so you don't want to do physical harm while you're trying to satisfy those those monsters in your head. But at the same time, you know you got to fight monsters in your head, and there's lots of people that have to do that every fucking day. So I get it. I get that. Um, but that's a that, but on a wrestling level, that is a that is a really admirable schedule, uh, but a real tough schedule if you if you look at it. So I've looked it up, and Google has this cool feature where if you search for pronunciation, this little thing comes up. So we've got two choices here. We've got American pronunciation, which is schedule, and then I can change it and put British pronunciation schedule. Right, so there you go. see, see how the, the American is like the k, the hard k schedule, or the hard c, the k in there. Yeah. All right, we learned a lot today. <laughs> you <laughs> guys waited an extra day for this. Yeah, yeah. You guys All right, last little news tidbit uh, I've got for you is uh, New Japan Young Line Hirai Kawato is now the 16th CMLL Super Lightweight Champion. He's the third Japanese champion, joining Masato Yakushi and Kamatachi. So. Very well done to Kawato. Surely only a matter of time before we see him again, Damon. Uh, it is. Didn't we hear speculation, being that it didn't happen, we can probably talk about it. We did hear a lot of scuttlebutt that he was going to be at G1, right? Yeah, I heard that as well. I don't know if this, uh, the fact that he won the title, maybe if that was like a something they hadn't foreseen or like a last minute thing that meant he couldn't go or, or something happened. I don't know, but 
yeah, I had heard rumors that he was going to be around. Yeah, yeah, it was a little little disappointing that I didn't see him because I in my head I was like, hey, he's going to be here, he's going to be here, he's going to be here, and it didn't happen. So um, I, I wonder what what the what the situation was. That, yeah, maybe it was the title. I, I thought the title would be even more reason why he would be there, but. Um, Ah, all right. I guess that might be on pause. So I don't know. I just think that we'll see him sooner than later, right? I think we'll see him sooner than later. Um, but yeah, that was that was that from 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 Dallas, and good good on him, right? That that means something to all those naysayers that were. Uh, you heard a lot about how disappointing he was, and and I I think that really came from one report. It really didn't feel like it came from multiple people saying the same thing. It felt like one person said it, and it's been regurgitated 715 times. Um, Because I really... Who who the hell's watching CMLL, am I right? (laughs) I mean, people do. People do, and they they should. Uh, That was a joke. (laughs) Yes, please. We don't want the... We don't don't need the... uh, The... uh, What the... The um, I can't even name a fucking the hardcore lucha gatekeepers. <laughs> right, right. I was gonna say something between us. Yeah. Um. So yes, that was a, that was just a little 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 elbow in the ribs, people. Uh. But anyway, yeah, it was just like it felt like it was one person, and then everybody kind of just jumped on that bandwagon. So good on him. Uh, title winner, uh, and not many uh, New Japan wrestlers have won that title in the past. That means uh, he's in rare air. So, um, again, good things from Quad. All right, let's move on to the meat of today's podcast. Let's talk about Dallas. I'm going to open with two questions from our listeners. Christian Ian Lane Fowler says, how's the knee? And Chris (laughs) says, has reporter Damon been behaving himself? So, Damon, talk us through your Dallas adventures, please. Holy fucking shit. Well, I feel like I could dedicate an entire show just to that, right? Because I had a great time. Like, for those two days, uh, it was worth a lot of um, pain and suffering <laughs> afterward. But uh, it it uh, it was great. So first questions first. Knee is fine. I did tweet out a picture. I had access to the Twitter machine. I couldn't believe it. Um, so we went to – first of all, let me just say that there is a cat down in Dallas, and his name is Brian. And Brian was a fucking legend on this trip. He he kind of was like the tour guide. He was like you know leading us around to different places that ruled. Right. So the first stop we go to, we had uh, this little hole in the wall, uh, tacos and uh, and margaritas, and the margaritas were fucking unbelievably great, and the tacos were unbelievably great. And this is coming from somebody who didn't eat the entire day. I got off the airplane. Into the rental car, zipped over to the presser, and and that and that was it. Like I didn't eat anything. I was starving, thirsty, had to pee, all that. Took us there. Great stuff. Then we went to this this arcade. You Joel, this would have been a fucking heaven for you. They had like twenty taps. They were all ciders, all different types of ciders. I had like a, a a habanero fucking a mango oh, one. Oh man, that sounds amazing! <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. And then, so it was a cider, but in this place, it was like a giant warehouse, right? So they had the the the, the taps and all, right? But and it was all renovated inside, and they had multiple rooms filled with pinball machines, 
and retro cabinet arcade games from back in the day. Everything you could possibly fucking think of. NBA jams, uh, asteroids. I'm just trying to think. Guitar Hero. Um, uh, what else did we play? Dragon's Lair. Remember that game fucking Dragon's Lair? It's like kind of like an animated game. I couldn't believe they had it because I was joking about it. And then somebody was like, it's over there. David, it's over there. I was like, holy shit. I was playing this game. Um, there was a Kiss pinball machine. I mean, there's just it, – but it was – it was, Joe, there had to be at least 500 different games you could play. It was unbelievable. Nicole, Boost Leprechaun. She's playing – I don't even – I forget the name of the game. She was playing it for two hours. I would go get a drink. And I would come back and turn the corner, and she'd be playing this game. I'd be like, she's like, go get me a cider. I was like, okay, boom. Come back. Like, I come back like two hours later. Not two hours later. Maybe about a half an hour later. She's still playing the same fucking game. Um, you would have you would have lost your shit in this. In this, I, I'm telling you, I thought of you the minute I heard about it. And because it was like two things that checked the boxes for Joel. It was unbelievably great. Um, so what happened was they had this parking lot. And uh, Estevan, uh, you know, friend of the show, um, he, do, he does he's, his uh, unofficial New Japan fan club stuff uh, that he hustles very hard on. Uh, he called because he was going to meet us there, and but he didn't know how to get there, so he didn't even know the name of the place to put it in Google Maps. And I didn't really know because I was had about four margaritas and I, I was like I don't really know so I wanted to walk kind of around to look at the front of the building so I could name the fucking building and there was this puddle in the driveway or in the in the parking lot and I didn't intentionally step in the puddle but I'm just kind of walking around the puddle at while I'm on my phone trying to look up in an angle at the sign my foot hits this water and I'm telling you, Joel, there was something in it. Because it was like a sheet of ice. It was grease or some shit. Oil. I don't know. And I went fucking in the air and landed on my hip and ass and knee. Phone flies out of my hand. Nicole doesn't ask if I'm okay. Ask if the phone's okay. <laughs> Phone was fine, by the way. Uh, I, I, was, I was waiting for the cracked screen. And I was just up my hip and my ass was soaked and, and filthy in this puddle that's probably been sitting there for fucking days. And I uh, I didn't even notice the knee until I get in the place. And uh, like you feel, I felt my shorts rubbing against something on my leg. And I looked down. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm a fucking maniac. So, you know, it was pretty messed up. So that's how that happened. I slipped on a, in a puddle of... Of filthy water and 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 some type of viscous liquid that made me slip. That's exactly what happened. It wasn't a drunk stumble. Tell me about what was the best food that you had on the trip. Oh boy, um, those tacos were banging. I'm telling you that that was really great. Um, I had. Uh, the, probably the tacos. That that's the first thing that sticks out. Um, I was a little bit outside of Dallas, Texas, uh, because that's where that's where we were. Um, and I had barbecue, and it was okay, but it wasn't like the like I was jonesing for this real deal barbecue. Uh, but we just couldn't find the time to to get there. 
Joel, those tacos were, were fantastic. So I would go there. That was probably the best thing I had. Yeah. All right. Question from Markeem, who says, I had such a great time at the meetup. My question was, did you expect that many people to show up, Damon? So can you tell us a bit about the official Super Jcast meetup? Let me, I get nervous when we talk about meetups um, because I'm always like, ah, two people are going to show up. You know what I mean? Or one, you know, and it's just going to, I don't know. I was blown away. Let me tell you something. Nicole and Tyler from our group, are they listen to the show. And they they hold for it uh, over that Discord. What a great what a great uh, absolute fucking legendary job by those two and anybody else who had their hand in that meetup. We had at one point, and, it, and again, we're not selling out Madison Square Garden with this, but you know, for for a show like ours, and here's the thing. The, the Buffalo Wild Wings, it wasn't like it was like here's the arena next door is Buffalo Wild Wings. It wasn't that. It was like a like about a five minute ride from from the arena. And you had to if you were walking, it was at least twenty minutes, I would say, or, or half an hour. Um so people had to go out of their way to come to this. Uh we probably had about sixty I think somebody said six between sixty, seventy, maybe even a little bit more at, at the peak. Um it was unbelievable. Everybody was fun. Everybody was cool. Everybody there was having a good time. Everybody there had a, had, had a couple pops, uh, some decent wings. Um, it was just like I didn't want it to end. Like I was kind of like, oh, I, um, I, you know, do we have to go to the show now? You know, there was a part of it because, because you know, it's kind of like you just didn't want it to end. It was just a great afternoon. Um, and and people came in waves. John Carroll showed us up. Uh, Estevan, of course, was there. Um, Doug Fowler from Reddit there. Um, so many people. Uh, the, the the guys from uh, Keeping It Strong Style there. Uh, they brought up a couple of their crew. The, you know, uh, some people that listened to to them and and may, may not have. I don't even know if they listened to us. To be honest with you. Um, but they were there and and they were friendly and nice and. Uh, I mean, there's so many. I'm just, I'm, I'm really trying to remember names and people just to so they get a shout out. Um, <laughs> so many. So I'm gonna. Can I? Can we do what? Can we do a WhatsApp for 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 you? A picture? Can I? Can I do this? I'm, can I yeah. send you a picture? All right. I'm gonna send you a picture. Now, the first picture I'm gonna send is a picture of, shockingly enough, of me. Now, this is a picture of me when I was, I mean, I was in high school, right? So I, it had to be like 80, I would say like 87, 88 maybe. Uh, let's see if I can get this here. If I could do this, bear with me one moment, please, uh, while I do this. All photos. Um, and it is a picture of my the height of my skateboardy. Uh, I wouldn't say punk rock, but my you know my new wavy kind of thing, new wavy kind of look, and all that stuff. Um, if I could find a way to make this fucking happen, I know this is compelling video or audio that we're doing right here. Um, how do I get this picture in my fucking? Why can't I find anything on my phone? Why you know what I mean? Like why is everything so fucking difficult? I'm in the, I'm in my album. I'm in my photo album. Too many, why... <laughs> too many photos of Liger clogging up your albums. 
It's not, but it's like, but it's like not talking to WhatsApp properly because it's like all my albums that are, or that I can easily find shit, um, are not coming up. Why is everything so fucking difficult, Joel? Can I ask that? Why is everything in my fucking life so difficult? Uh, I can't. Whatever. <laughs> I think this is worth it. It's not worth it. It's really frustrating the fuck out of me. All right, let me let me try it this way. Let me try. Let me back back end my way in. I'm gonna back in through my photos, and maybe I can send it through your WhatsApp. Okay. All right. Why why can't you just have a regular fucking? Why can't we communicate just on Messenger? All right. All right. Let me see if I can do this. Right, please, for the love of God, can I do this? Um. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Of course, it's not in any of the apps here. Great. Okay. I I I don't fucking know, dude. <laughs> Why this everybody I, I can't wait for everybody to be like he doesn't know how to fucking send a uh, Can I mail email it to you? Yeah, I, I, okay. absolutely. Alright, because that's got the computer that's, here. Alright. This is unbelievable. Alright, that alright, send. Alright. I just sent it via that. Okay. And now I'm gonna send this picture. This so that's me, right? Uh-huh. Let me know when you get it. Did you get it? Uh, yeah. Okay, let's have a look. Right, maybe you can describe that. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Go ahead. So it's... How old are you here? It's like a um, teenager, maybe. Yeah, probably like, like 17. Like 16, 17. So it's 17-year-olds... Damon with a very uh, cool haircut, like a—I don't know how, how you describe that kind of style. So very eighties. Yeah. Okay. A little, a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, people call it like flock of seagull hair, but it's really not flock of seagull hair. It was shaved on the side and shaved it back and kind of like underneath, so hair kind of flopped over, and then it let it grow long. So it's kind of almost a little bit modern day Nakamura-ish, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, Always a bit emo. Where you got kind of like the sweeping fringe thing going on. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, look, I think emo is a real. It's an offshoot of everything that was, you know, yes, early '80s. I think, right? I mean, I don't think that's right. a stretch, right? Um, I know, I know. I gotta now. I gotta follow that up with a, a, a now a recent photo. So I gotta. Get this here. Oh, uh, why am I, I? I hate doing this. I'm so. I'm actually my hands are shaking because I know I'm sounding like an absolute fucking fool because I can't get this to work. And get, <laughs> well, we've got editor Dan. He can tidy this all up for us. He's going to have so. to because it's. Don't I, worry I, about I, it. Like I just feel like a, just a total dunce. All right, let me see if I find. I I, I got to find the other picture. I'm now starting to understand what Brian Alvarez feels like. <laughs> This is this is our equivalent of shuffling papers. Oh, oh my God, I'm panicking. All right, uh, all right, oh, Abraham. Okay, I'm gonna send this. Okay, there's that. All right, sent. Okay, good. All right, that got gone. I've sent you a video as well in WhatsApp. Okay. All right, let me describe what I've got here. So you've sent me a second photo, which is 
The guy on the left. Still, still, still downloading. Tantalizingly. Okay. Right. So we've got two gentlemen here in an arcade. One of them is sitting in a like a car racing game and has got very similar haircut. It was sort the of same. almost Tai Chi-ish. Yeah. Come on. Come on. That's what somebody said. Somebody said the guy looked like Tai Chi. Um, so the whole trip, I couldn't stop looking at him because he looked like me from 30 years ago. <laughs> And I, we kept calling him past Damon and future Damon. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was the whole entire thing. It, I, all, all that buildup for just that joke was terrible. It's not I apologize. It. <laughs> it's it wasn't worth it at all. <laughs> it was like, I'm trying to find a bit of a. John, I met this guy who had a similar haircut to a haircut I used to have when I was younger. Bad, done. But we've wasted like 10 minutes of audio. <laughs> people are cheating. This might be one of the biggest podcasts we do this year because people want to tune in. I, I want know! the hot takes from Joel and Dana about Joel! the G1 in Dallas and with the oh! half an hour in. Got oh! nothing. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate myself. Oh, God. But yeah, okay, so future Damon Fair's name. Great. All that for nothing. I, I want this entire segment edited out. <laughs> Fuck it, I hate myself. All right, so that was great. Look, the whole entire trip was great. There's so many people that were awesome and fun and 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 ridiculously awesome that I can't thank enough. But the meetup was was a was a was a one hundred percent success. So thank you to everyone. Everyone that came out and said hi. Um, I truly appreciate it. You made the weekend great, and um, it was it was it was awesome, Joe. We missed you. Um, I we, we wish everybody kept saying, "Wow, I wish Joe was here. I wish Joe was here. I wish Joe was here." And I did too. But it was amazing, man. I, I couldn't believe uh, the the love that we were getting. So so hats off to everybody there. Yeah, I was very disappointed I couldn't make it out. Uh, D the Great says more meetups in the future. Say one a year in LA. New York, and then somewhere in the middle of the country. What will it take to get Joel to the US for a show? Well, I only make trips for huge IWGP title matches. So if there's something like that on the cards, then who knows? But uh, I've spent quite a lot of money this yeah. year already on New Japan. So that might not be sustainable in the future, but uh, we'll see. But certainly we'll keep the meetups going. I'm sure there'll be one for Philly. Royal Quest, even if, even if we aren't there. Um, yeah. I'm sure someone can help us out with that take the lead um and yeah philly so definitely lots to look forward to and also the super j cast hall of fame we got the results from the vote for that and you know we've been singing the praises of uh, nicole booze leprechaun for all the outstanding work that she's done and very well deserved uh winner entrant into the hall of fame alongside scampy and strong zero so i was talking to nicole about that and i was saying imagine trying to explain that to your non- podcast listening friends that you got voted into a podcast hall of fame alongside a cat and a drink <laughs> that's what makes us special uh yeah so imagine making well imagine standing in front of a room of 60 people and saying okay here are the hall of fame winners first of all saying that there's a hall of fame for us which is hilarious uh and then you know saying you know it's it's a cat an alcoholic beverage, and this fine person who helped organize this entire thing. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, th- that was fun, and everybody everybody uh, gave her a big round of applause for for, for getting in, which was well deserved. Um, again, it, I, it's funny because I saw Kevin Kelly during the week, and I and I um, I failed to mention it to him. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to him for five minutes, Joel. I swear, that's that's the kind of 
stupidity. I, I, uh, I'm, I was talking to him for at least five minutes. Um, and I saw him at the presser. We'll talk about the presser in a minute. Um, and I didn't even mention it then. I, I just... Man, the, the four people we picked, David, have totally no-sold us. Uh, Kevin doesn't even know. Does Kevin know? Why not? Why isn't he listening to the podcast? I mean, he knows. I'm, I, I, Is it because well, it's he shit? Said he does. It's because it's shit, no, isn't it? No, no. He says he, he says he does because he mentions things to me. Fucking liar. I, it, no, I swear to God, he mentions things to me. But, like, I, I'm sure he does. Because he, 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 we were talking about flying. And I was like, how the fuck do you go back and forth like that? Like, I just – like, that would just cause me so much anxiety. He goes, no, it doesn't bother me at all. I was like, the turbulence? He goes, no, nothing. He goes, I listen to a bunch of podcasts, yours included, blah, blah, blah. He mentioned that. Um, and he um, said it doesn't bother him. So I don't know. Uh, I, look, I fucked up. That was my fuck up. Because I, I could have said – what? Can, can, can everybody still just do us a favor? Congratulate Kevin Kelly for his entrance into the Super Jcast Hall of Fame. Just just tweet him. Uh, a, a hearty congratulations just so he's he'll be like – what the fuck? But I, I was right in front of him, and I, and I didn't say anything. So I, I stink. I'm, my apologies. All right. Louis says, since Damon was at that press conference, what did he think of the crowd? It was very different than the usual G1 press conference every year. So talk to yeah. us a bit about the uh, post-G1 presser. Okay. So when I got there, it was um, it was packed, right? It was, it was There were a lot of people given the room that it was in, right? Um, it wasn't a big hall. Uh, but it was like a place where, uh, like you could see like having a wedding reception, right? Um, so, but it was packed and they had the back area roped off. So they had the stage and then they had what they considered the press area and that was roped off. And then they had, um, uh, where the, the fans would stand. So, um... There were, they probably had a, um, about a thousand people there, maybe even more, probably more, right? I would say close, to maybe fifteen hundred. Um, it felt like uh, there were lines that were very long, waiting for people to get pictures. So um, the press conference was was a little bit different in the sense that we do a lot of cheering, right? I'm sure that came over if anybody watched it. Um, it was here's the thing. It was loud, and they were up for anything. So people were cheering for everyone. There's no one that was like, you know, hand waved. Where it was like crickets. Um, but they were loud when they cheered, and they were cheering for everything. Did I like that? I kind of did. It made it a lot more. There was a lot more energy in a room as opposed to complete silence and hearing shutters of cameras and having pro wrestlers do their little thing and then that's that. Like it felt a little bit – you know what I mean? Like there was a little bit of more of an energy in the room at least. Now, I don't know how well that translated over television and to the viewers at home, if that got annoying, if that got whatever. But it being in there, it felt uh, – it felt – a lot more energetic because I was kind of, I don't want to say dreading sitting through, you know, two hours of people getting on the microphone and saying how they're going to win G1 and being at complete silence. 
it felt a little bit it felt more energetic. So so while I could see where people were like, oh, this is not this is not a Japanese experience, and it wasn't because it was held in Dallas, Texas. Um, but I, I I wasn't annoyed by it at all. I kind of enjoyed it. Who was your fashion champion? Zach always. I, lo- I that's the look. That's that's the look. Like if I were a much thinner man, he would be my 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 template. Um, he looked sharp. Um, Sonata had his summer gear on. Um, who else looked really good? I mean, Evil looked the part, right? But it was still a little bit ridiculous. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, it was a little bit ridiculous, but um, but it, you know he's evil, and that's that's what Evil does. Um, tai Chi's looking good with the button down shirt. I'll tell you what. I I I will I will say this. So Okada comes out and he he looked good. He looked he looked professional and looked uh, all, all stitched up nice. Um, now first it was Tanahashi, then it was Okada. Um, I, it wasn't until Tai Chi came out that I was like, "Holy fucking shit! This is this is because you never see Tai Chi here um, in the states." And when 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 he came out, that was like, wow, okay, that's one. And Yano too. Like it was like the 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 I don't want to say the 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 B team came out, not the B block, but you know what I mean. Like when it, you come to the pecking order, when it was those guys that came out, I was like, okay, this is fucking real now, you know. Um, yeah, Tai Chi looked good. Uh, of course, Zach looked good. Um, who else looked good? Juice uh, Robinson looks like um, he's sort of like on security detail, like he's uh, yeah, protecting the, the president or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's a good comment. Yeah, I would say that. Fale, I mean, while Fale looks <laughs> he's the like part, shorts and flip yeah. flops. Yeah, they got a Burlington Coat Factory. Yeah, uh, yep, uh, yeah, he's wearing Puma shorts, flip flops. I mean, look, I'm sure getting a suit for a guy that size is a little bit, but you, you got to have at least one, right? You, you, you know what I mean? Like you go to weddings, you go to a funeral, you got to have at least one. Use that same one. Uh, but he was having none of it. But I guess, I, I, I mean, is that the part? I, I think Jay White looked good. Jay White looked good. Um, I think everybody looked – here's the thing. Everybody – I like the fact that even something as subtle as what they're wearing does – play a factor in who they are as a pro wrestler, right? Like, Zach looks like Zach would dress. And Tanahashi looks, like, stylish, but looks, the, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like everybody, just little subtle, little details in what they were wearing kind of played a big story in, in who they are. Um, it wasn't everybody. Like, Jeff Cobb had a suit on. Okay, great. But it, it, everybody, it did seem like everybody kind of had that. Lance Archer kind of looked like... Um, like like he was like working security at a strip mall or at a strip club, um, but you know everybody else looked looked good. Everybody else looked looked, looked tight and uh, they did it well. Nice job. Did Naito go to sleep as he usually does? Yes, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he fell asleep. I know Sonata did too. So I saw because I saw his head pop. Like not was that like, during his go- match? <laughs> that was, yeah, okay. We'll talk about it. Um, now he you could tell he 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 popped down and and did the old thing. Um, 
Yeah, he he definitely nodded off. Uh, I can't blame him. They're they're just getting off a plane from Japan and expected to do this nonsense. I'd fall asleep too. You know, especially when you're like one of the first people talking. At least you come out, you get your pop, you sit down. Okay, Tanahashi, you speak. Here comes Tanahashi. He does it, and then he's got to sit through everyone else. Like he's just like, oh my god, shut up! You know, he, he just wants to get the fuck out of there. So, uh, yeah, he fell asleep too. I love that they flew Taichi out to Dallas to do this presser, and then he was just hanging out at Lance Archer's Suzuki Gun pool party. I don't know if you yeah. saw the pictures of that. There was like Lance, Zach, Taichi. I, I don't know if like the rest of the New Japan roster were just sort of hiding around the corner to protect kayfabe. <laughs> Wait till they finished taking the photo, but uh, that was pretty funny. And, yeah, and uh, you you made Will Ospreay cry. Uh, talk to us about oh, this. I didn't make him cry. Like, all right. Well, not on purpose, but you did. Oh, no. he he did break down. He did break down uh, when I after my question. Yes, that that is accurate. So if you see that video, and what was your hard hitting question, Damon? It really that wasn't that hard amount of tears. It really well. Here's the thing. Let me just say something a little bit about this 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 press conference. So there's always and in in sports as well because this is this is my wheelhouse. Those that environment is my wheelhouse because. That's what I do all the time, right? So I kind of knew to, what to expect. I knew to expect this little brief when a person first sits down at the table and they adjust their mic and they kind of settle in. And then they look up and the person's kind of expecting, okay, fire away on the questions. But the people that are asking the questions, the press, there's always this little bit of awkwardness of who's going to be first and blah, blah, blah. Now, normally – what usually we've deferred to is that the beat writers, the newspaper guys, because they have very strict deadlines, usually ask the first questions, right? But if you're in an environment where there aren't people that necessarily have deadlines, you're going to have that little bit of awkwardness of space of who's asking the first question. In this particular case, it felt like there were people that weren't fucking media members. They were just people who... I don't know, okay? They might have a website that doesn't make you a fucking person who should be in a press conference, okay? So Okada comes out. IWGP heavyweight champion. In Dallas, Texas. G1. In a match against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Arguably his greatest rival. First question. What do you think about some fucking Whataburger hamburger? That's the first question. And I'm looking around like, what in the fuck just happened? Now it's now I'm like, all right, it's going to be one of these nonsense things, and I'm not having it. So it was then there were there were a couple of people in the back that were kind of like, what the fuck? So real questions we had to start fucking firing them off so th- that got better anyway the will osprey so okada comes out he does his thing in comes i think will was second right I th- no was will second yeah well uh no he wasn't second will was later down the road anyway so will comes in sits down uh he's he says something along the lines of you know uh i'm not really into doing these kind of things or uh, i've had a, a, a pretty terrible week so i'm really not in the best mood so i'm going to apologize in advance okay so 
somebody asks him a, a question. I, I couldn't tell you what it was, but it was you know it wasn't a hamburger question. Um. So I asked. This was the exact question. Will a lot has been made, or a lot is made about the physical demands of G1 and the the pain and punishment that wrestlers' bodies go through during G1. But how do you prepare mentally to perform at such a high level each and every night of your tournament block matches? That's a lot to ask of a lot of the guys. So he so he answers. Um, he starts to answer, and then he kind of pauses. And he goes, "Guys, I gotta, I gotta." And then he puts down the microphone, and he puts his hands on his head. And everybody's kind of like, oh, my God, what's happening? And I'm looking around like, I, I, I. so he, you know, he's upset because he's still something's going on in his life that's not positive. And he's like, look, travel stresses me out uh, and it makes me very anxious and it makes me very, you know, on edge and it puts me in a real bad place. And I'm like, Boom wheelhouse <laughs> we can we're we're relating right now will osprey because i'm right here with you so then i follow up with a question right uh, i don't even know i couldn't even tell you what my second follow-up is but then he, he kind of stays in that same world and i was like okay well this is where he, these these this is where he wants to be in talking about this so then I was like, fuck it, I'm growing it. I gave him a third follow-up, which was uh, – I know what my third follow-up was because I was – I think about this too a lot. I was like – he was talking about how he loves to be in the ring, and that's his safe space, and that's his kind of place where he doesn't have to think about things elsewhere, and he can just focus on being in wrestling. So he, he, he wants to be in the ring as much as he possibly can. He said, and, and and it keeps away those dark spaces where when he's outside the ring. And so I asked, well, Will, let me ask you, when those dark times come, who who do you lean on? As as a guy who's on the road, you know, th- three hundred days out of the year. And he stops and he like goes, I I lean on the missus, and he ha- and he shares a story about what like he's wearing a chain around his. His neck, and he has a little charm that, and I think she wears one too. Um, and he takes it off before he goes to the ring, and he puts it on right after. Um, and I loved it. I thought that was great. You know, I thought that was a real good thing. But yeah, I look, I, I, I don't know something about Will that's that's kind of connecting with me big time on this. Um, I was I was in, I was in, and these weren't questions where I was like, oh, let me lay the boots to him. Like I was really like, okay, dude. I I, I want to learn more. I, like, I think it, it was weird because, as stupid as it sounds, I kind of felt like it was me and him talking, and there was nobody else in the room. And I would love to have just get, gotten ten minutes with him. You know what I mean? And I would have just talked shit, not wrestling. You know, I I I, I, I kind of wanted that, but it, it, it didn't happen. But it was weird. It was kind of like everybody else in the room left, and it was just us. It's very romantic. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, yeah, he did break down and cry on, on my question. But, you know, listen, uh, he, you know, when you're upset, what are you going to do? It was, it was just a weird that it was my question, yeah. 
let's move on to your experiences at the show itself. Now, I understand, Damien, you're in a suite. Uh, not only were you in a suite, you were there with the lead at the pro wrestling intelligentsia, Joe Lanza. Yeah. I mean, to be a fly on the wall, Damien, people would have paid good money to hear your conversations throughout the show. What was the suite like? <laughs> the suite was wonderful. And again, that was Brian, right? So Brian, uh, his company that he worked for owns the suite, and he's able to get tickets to all the events that go to Dallas. And it was catered. Uh, it was uh, it was lovely. So for the press, we have credentials. So uh, they had you, in, which was a little discouraging in the sense of, and I'll tell you why. They they had all the press in one of the sections on the first level of the arena. So it was like you were sitting as if you were fans, as if you were filling up seats, right? Like why would you make these seats – uh, you know, and quarter them off for the press when they could definitely be used for fans, right? Like, if these tickets were sold, we wouldn't be sitting here, is, is my point, right? Because it wasn't like we were roped off on some side section. It was like section 119. If you look at the arena, it's like right off, like, the next section over is you're directly center with the ring. So I was like, oh, boy, there were, uh, that's not good from a, from a, from a, visual perspective right they're just filling seats this is why we're here but anyway brian had these tickets for the suite and he was like look if you want you can you know you're more than welcome to come here we would love to have you up here so uh so before we before the suite we get to the the arena right and it was me and um the the guys from keeping a strong style and we go and get our press credentials. So you had to pick them up at the door. So we pick them up at the door, and they say, okay, well, you got to go around to the, the other side of the building where the employee entrance is, and that's where you get in. Okay, cool. So we have our credentials. We have our stuff. We go to the place. And I'm again, I'm familiar with these arenas. I go – I'm familiar with the deal. We go. We go in line. We, get, we have to get our bag searched, and that was that. They, they open the door. There's a guy opening doors there. Opens the door, we walk in. So we walk in, we're walking around the arena. Uh, uh, we're taking pictures of you know the merch and stuff, you know, just kind of doing around. And then we go into the con- you know concourse, and then we kind of walk out to where you know the 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 the, the event is, the event floor. And we're, we're taking a couple pictures of the you know the jumbotron and the stage set up and all. And there's nobody else in the building. Um, you know, down there, there's wrestlers milling about, um, Kevin, we saw Kevin Kelly down there and a lady comes over and goes, are you with the press? And it's like, yeah, yeah. We showed her credentials. Um, and she goes, you're not supposed to be in here. I was like, well, okay. Um, we can, we tell us where to go. We can go anywhere you want, but, um, no, you're not supposed to be in the building. Like, well, okay. We didn't sneak in through a fucking dumpster. (laughs) We were led in by the team. You know, we picked up our credentials. We're here. You know, it's not a big deal. Like, again, for any other legitimate sport, I'm – this is not a big deal, right? The media gets your credential. You go in, and that's that. But apparently this was an issue. So she runs off and starts yelling at the fucking staff. You can't let these people land. Uh, but then they pushed us into this bar, which was not a bad idea. <laughs> so they pushed us in there. That's where we met Lanza. Um, so – Lance is there. We're talking with him. What a look. 
what you get with Lanza on the show is what you get in real life, and he is just hilarious. So he's he's a Jersey guy, and uh, we we I don't know. It felt like we hit it off fine and not fine, great. And we were up there, and it was hilarious. We could never do we could never do a show. It would be edited to death. It was he even said he's like we could never do a show because we it would be edited. But he was just fucking hilarious. We were just uh, I don't know. It was just a good time. Fully catered. Uh, we lived the life. It was me. Brian, a couple of his coworkers, Lanza, uh, Nicole, Tyler. Um, is there anybody else? I think I think maybe one or two Ty- Tyler's friends, maybe. Um, but that was it, and it was great. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was very very. Um, it was right in front of the, the ring, so uh, you know, on the, on the sweet level, it's great. I I I I couldn't enjoy the show more from from that perspective. So. Uh, again, big thanks to Brian on that one. That was that was an awesome awesome thing. Uh, what did you think of the setup in the arena itself? How did everything look inside? Um, a couple of people were kind of hand waving the stage. They said it looked a little bit low rent. I didn't have a problem with the stage. I didn't care about the staging. Uh, I thought that was fine. I thought it looked great. Like seeing, you know. Uh, like Tanahashi's video on the Jumbotron and how they, you know, they'll, they'll light up the the tier around the arena, you know, to his theme and shit. I thought the visuals of it were great. You know, the, the setup was great. Look, I know a lot has been made about the the optics of empty seats. And you know, I was joking with Lanza. I was like, you know, it kind of looks like a fucking one of those – Parade of Champions, you know, events at, at the Texas Stadium of Lone Behold in Dallas uh, that you would see, you know, not maybe not even the first one, but maybe like the third one where it's like a lot of empty seats. It didn't look good. There were a lot of empty seats. In there the was one shot in particular. I, I screen capped it, put it on the Twitter when Tanahashi went up for the high fly flow and just totally bare, absolutely bare behind him and it looked horrible and to be fair they cut away very quickly but i saw that i was like oh yeah it was it was they roped off so they had a second level that they had but really the only people sitting in them were like in the first like the center like you would be centered with the ring and then a scattering of people in the sections next to the section above that all tarped all tarped um you know there's people that say you know, look, they don't give a fuck. They did it, and they're not going to tarp off everything and blah, blah, blah. Okay. It it didn't look good. It didn't look like a a hot product, right? Look, events sell out all the time, whether it's a concert. People go to events. People didn't feel the need to buy a ticket to this event for whatever reason. Now, whether that's the marketing team, whether that's – New Japan just isn't as hot, whatever the case may be. The fact of the matter is, and, and if I'm being completely honest, that was not a good look. And again, let me be very clear. It just wasn't a good look. You can't spin it any other way. I don't care if the last time they were there they with, with the elite, they had you know 3,800 people. In this building, if you're going to run this building, that is, a, that is just, a, just a, not a, a good look. Now – and again, whether it's financially successful, from what I understand, it was okay. And whether it was, it was already a bought show, um, 
by by access or the, the arena or what, whatever the case may be. New Japan has made it clear that it was a profitable show. Just didn't look good. Didn't look good. Now, Joel, that being said, the fans that were there, the 4,800 people that were there, I will go so far as to say it was one of the best American pro wrestling crowds I've ever been a part of. This Can I just jump in with a question? Because so, yes. let's put this in context. Nicole asks, how would Damon rank the crowd in relation to other wrestling crowds he's been a part of? Did it feel like a super knowledgeable, Philly, Caracoan-type crowd, a large collection of casuals looking to be entertained, or somewhere in the middle? And just from my, my end, just watching on TV, it sounded really, really hot, very loud. They, they popped for everything. Everybody got over Everybody was excited to see everyone. There wasn't one person where they didn't get a, a, a sizable cheer. Um, it, they were they were up for everything, and they were knowledgeable about the spots. They were knowledgeable about what to look forward to. They were knowledgeable about key components, and to me, they made forty eight hundred people sound like eight thousand, nine thousand. It was loud in the building, and. Which, which, truth be told, could very well that 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 noise could could have gotten lost in that arena, in that empty arena. Like that sound could have just traveled and dissipated, like like a, a vape cloud. It didn't. It, it was loud. I'll, I'm never going to forget to the day I'm put in the fucking ground. I'm never going to forget that stare down of Tanahashi and Okada. And that crowd realizing what was happening, what they were saying, and it was not lost on them. And they cheered, and then they stood up and cheered and applauded, and they were pumped, and they were psyched, and they were thrilled. There was it, it was a it was the best American pro wrestling crowd I've ever been a part of. The best of all my years of going to wrestling. Um, now. Again, I can't even. I, I don't. I don't want to compare it to a Japanese crowd because, to me, that's not fair. That's not fair because it's not the same thing. It, you, you, it's two different cultures, two different people, and two different ways to experience a show. <clears throat> I, 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 again, I, I, I will always say, you know, being able to appreciate both is really the key, um, and to be able to have people go over to Japan and see a show and experience it for themselves. Yes, that I would. I would love everyone to do that. Not everybody can do that. I would. I would take this any day of the week. This was a. This this crowd helped make a show. Look, if this was a crowd of any other style, fashion, whatever, and and you, this could have been. I wouldn't say a disaster of a show, but it could have. It could have been a little less positive thumbs up on, on a show if, if the crowd was shit and the crowd was nowhere near shit they were great i cannot fault the crowd they did everything in their power to make this an, a great experience for everybody look were there some moments where you're just like you know where i don't know uh, uh this is awesome chant okay but that they, they kind of got quelled down quickly um I mean, personally, I'm not going to tell somebody to don't chant. This is off. Do whatever the fuck you want. You paid the ticket, but you kind of just know. Was there some of that? Of course, there was. It's, it's, it's okay, but overall, 
what a, what a great experience. They they they. I I I I swear to God, I wish I could have high fived everybody leaving that fucking arena because we all deserved it. That was a really great job. John says, do you think the crowd size was a disappointment and would it prevent New Japan from coming back despite Okada saying they will be? So the official attendance statement was 4,846. So let's just talk about ticket sales a bit. Um, Putting this in context, last year they drew less than 4,000 for day one of the G1. So looking at this Dallas show, there's a number of factors which a lot of people have talked about already. It was badly marketed at first. It's day one of a month-long tournament. There's no title matches. Tickets were expensive. The elite weren't there. It was a secondary market. Like not, you know, Dallas is not one of uh, New Japan's, you know, primary markets, is it? The card went up relatively late. So there's just not much there to hoover up those on-the-fence casuals to make a big cross-country trip because it's this kind of thing you need to book that in advance if you're getting flights, hotels, things like that. I, I will say technically... This, this is the only show that's on the G1 tour that are going to outdraw this one will be Hokkaido, Budokan and Osaka, Edian Arena. And I think in a different arena, this would have looked fine. So, I mean, that's it should the only be problem. that they, they, they set up for 4,000 initially, then they opened seats up for 5,000, which I think tells you a bit what the internal expectations were. And I don't think they would have picked that building if it not for... Mark Cuban likely giving them a discount. So Okada did say it's not the last time. Maybe not in Dallas next time. Other places they could go. Chicago might be an idea. But uh, what do you think about the ticket sales and what would be the next steps for New Japan? What should they do differently next time? Here's the problem that I have. And it's really just about, one, the arena that they picked and really understanding who their market is right now. There were very few people that I talked to that lived in Dallas-Fort Worth that were going to the show. Very few, right? Everyone that I talked to, and maybe it's just me and I'm in a bubble, but it's not even the people that I talk to. Because you, do you know how you go to shows, and, and but you see these people, and they're at every fucking New Japan show that you're at, but you don't necessarily go up and talk to them? You know, you just don't know them, so I don't know. You feel weird, whatever. But there, 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 there was that, right? So these people are at every show that maybe I don't talk to. But even the people that I did talk to, a lot of them were people that I would see at every show, right? And even if they weren't, they were they flew in. They drove in. A four-hour drive. Oh, I'm from Oklahoma. Okay. Oh, I'm from Indiana. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm from, you know, Seattle. Okay, flew in. Uh, I'm from Phoenix. Oh, I'm from all over the all over the country. <clears throat> it was rare that I heard. Yeah, I live around here. I'm from here. I didn't hear that a lot. So to me, I find it very hard to believe that th- there's not a lot of pro wrestling fans in Dallas because they can other companies can run that building. And again, with the help of TV, the help of everything else, that and the, and the conglomerate that they are. Um. There's still people going to these build to this building. People have gone. It's just it's not five thousand people is their sweet spot right now when it comes to the United States of people going to these shows. Let's let's be honest. Madison Square Garden was was a success because it was a destination weekend. I hate to say it, it was a destination weekend. Right? 
And also, I think people were expecting the elite there. I think you got a lot of fans of the Bucks and Kenny Omega who bought the tickets at the time with the assumption that they'd be seeing those guys there. Yes. I think that you can't say that that's not because if you look at the the other side of the coin when it comes to uh, all elite, you know, they're, they're selling out buildings, guys. I, I mean, I can't I, listen. I, you know, I, I want to sell out buildings too, but you know, we, we didn't, right. We didn't, we can come up with a thousand excuses. We can come up with everything that you just rattled off Joel and, and we can, we can hash it to, to the, to the, to the cows come home. At the end of the day, what New Japan's sweet spot is, is five, 6,000, depending upon the location, right? It really is. Now, is Dallas the market? I don't know. I, I can't say. But to me, there weren't a lot of Dallas people coming in. If, if we ran Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, would we be able to sell that out? I, I I I I kind of feel like probably not. Pro- probably not. It we we it would be better than Dallas, but I don't know if we would sell it out. I just Dallas was a weird city. I I get again, I don't know if it was the building the sweet deal that they got. I I don't know. I just feel like Dallas is a real weird fucking place to have this. And and my weirdness is kind of justified by the fact with it weren't many people from Dallas that were at these shows. It was everybody who traveled that were that was at this show. The same people that traveled to every fucking show were at this show, and it didn't feel like Dallas came out and represented. That was that was the general feeling I got from this show. So, what do you think they should do differently next time? One. Is G one the issue? Like, is G one, and I and I and I say that because the the, the people who knew about G one were the were the same people that you know that follow the promotion that are at all these shows. The same people, right? Like, I don't I don't think G one was a draw in and itself, right? Like, I had people in my life that are wrestling fans, right? That like different things. They might not be hardcore New Japan people. But they, you know, they, they they like wrestling, but they don't have a fucking clue what G one is, right? So I think that there was a little bit of an assumption that G one was going to do it. Two, the problem with G one is that you can't announce people in advance, right? So you can't announce main events, and 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 people have an expectation. I still think that there was issues with trust with the visa stuff of who's showing up and who's not, because I've heard it. I heard people say it. And I was like, well, no, they're fine. They they're they're good. That's that's all been sorted, but there was still some bad taste there, um, and people didn't know a lineup. People didn't know what they were seeing. They knew names. I don't, I don't know what can they do. Or answer the question: What can they do different? I don't think Dallas is is the city for it. Obviously, they got to really pick their markets a little bit smarter. Um, and I know they're testing the waters with New York and Philly and and that. And I think that's a good idea. Look, Philly's going to sell out in an instant. Philly's selling out in an instant. New York, I feel like that's selling out really quick too. Boston, I think it can sell out. I don't think it'll instantly sell out. It could. But I'm telling you right now, Philly's going to go in fucking seconds. Seconds. Um, and that's a building that, okay, that that's good. That's fine. I, I, I think the 
look, I think they see Kenny and they see Bucks and they see Cody selling out MGM Grand and selling out Sear Center in seconds. And that, that can't feel good to New Japan. That can't fucking feel good. They gotta pick their cities better. They gotta do it. They gotta they gotta give they gotta give look at I look at the copper box. Look at the situation there. They pick the city that's a hot wrestling city, that's a strong wrestling city that can support, and they announced things early, and they were giving things early. Now, they're going to wind up with a match announcement soon, right? That probably by the, by the time this podcast is released, right, we're going to know some matches. You, I don't think you could just go in with just the name New Japan Pro Wrestling alone in a building like that, in a city like that, and think tickets are just going to move like that. Because the tickets that moved were people that were going to travel to the fucking show anyway. It was the same people that go to every show. So that's the problem. It's a shame. I mean, it's unfortunate that New Japan are entrenched in their, their little ways of doing things. Like, oh, we've got to wait until this date for Kizuna Road at Krakow and before we announce the G1 blocks. Because a lot of people have said, if they had had the flexibility... Uh, to back in, I don't know, January, February, whenever it was they announced this, to say the main event of this show is going to be Okada versus Tanahashi in the G1. They'll be in the same G1 block. I don't think it would have been a disaster. It would have been the worst thing in the world to reveal that because it. I think that would have been fine. So, again, if they've got to stick to all these little rules about how they do things, then they've got to deal with the consequences of it. But It um, is, but let's just follow up on that. That's a problem because... You, if they haven't learned any lesson from this, is that New Japan Pro Wrestling fans in the United States are different than New Japan Pro Wrestling fans in Japan. At the, at the very core of that, they're different. And they, there are different expectations. Whether that makes us shittier people or not, sorry. That's the market. That's who you're dealing with. And you can't treat them the same as you would the Japanese audience. Because in the Japanese audience, it's okay to announce a show a week before and still have people show up, right? To a, to a certain degree, that, that's, that, that statement is true. With us, it just doesn't fucking work that way. It just doesn't work that way, especially for a brand that's, that you're trying to, to educate pro wrestling fans on, right? You can't just walk in and be like, we're New Japan and we're showing up because you're going to get the same 4,500 people. Right? You're not going to grow. It's a different audience. So, yeah, that the, the office has to think about that. Are they going to change their ways? Are they going to 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 not, you know, I hate to say, it, cater to a fucking Western audience if you want to grow shows in that audience? If not, don't, don't don't book a building that big. Now, again, if it's financially successful, it's financially successful, right? At the end of the day, that's what the most important thing is. But from a pure optic standpoint, 4,500 people, 4,800 people in that building did not look good. Let's talk about the matches then. First match was um, a tag team match. Tangelo and Tamatonga defeating Shonyo in 6 minutes 42 after a super powerbomb. You tweeted out some interesting thoughts about G.O.D. and the length of this match, Damon. Yeah, I like this match. Right now, look, they were in there with Sho and Yo, who were able to take all the bumps and 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 work at a nice, big, crisp pace, right? To set up a nice hot opener. But God has to get some credit here too. 
this the this is this is God's sweet spot. If they could just have matches of this style and caliber, and I'm and I'm what I what do I mean by that? Seven minute sprints. That that's their that's their wheelhouse. You go past ten minutes with a God match, it, it's it's it, the diminishing returns, right? I love this match. I thought this match was really solid and a, and a, and a really good opener. Uh, they they need to stay tags, obviously, right? I think they get exposed a little bit when they're in singles matches. Obviously, stick, keep them as a tag. Keep these matches six, seven, eight minutes. Not nothing. Twelve now. Fifteen now. Ten minutes. That's that's that, that that's your bar, and that's their sweet spot. And they could have great, entertaining, fun, hard hitting. They could hit all their shit, right? Hit all the fucking big moves and make them look like a star. And that's what people were kind of hanging their hats on when it came to like Tomatong and G1. Oh, put Tomatong in G1. Tomatong is, oh, he deserves this. He looks great. Bah, bah, bah. That's because he was put in an element where he looked good in these type of tag matches. You, you, if you put, Tamatanga and Tangaloa in these type of tag matches all the time. I'm telling you, we wouldn't have half the fucking complaints about the tag division. We really wouldn't. It's when you get these matches that go past ten minutes that you're just scratching your head like, oh my god, fucking Christ, right? Keep them. Keep this is how you book them. Keep them here. This is their lane. This is their wheelhouse. This is what they're good at. Keep them here. I like the finish of this match, Damon. There was a really cool spot where Rapongi 3K was setting up for the 3K, and then. Tamatonga came flying in from the side with a gun stun. The gun stun out of nowhere. And that led to the finish. I thought it was pretty good. Um, second match then was uh, another tag match with Shota Umino and Tomohiro Ishii losing to Renarita and Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb pinned Shota Umino following a tour of the islands in 7 minutes 18 seconds. I really enjoyed this one, Damon. I thought this is great. Crowd very, very hot for Ishii. Really good match. Great fight between Ishii and Cobb. It just served its purpose, didn't it? To get... Your juice is flowing. Wet your appetite for that Ishii versus Cobb G1 match. I like the fact that they kept going afterwards. They had to be separated. And, I mean, I wonder how many people, if casual fans, might have been watching that thinking, oh, I want to see more of these guys and maybe even signing up for New Japan World to see that. I hope so, because you're right. They, it was textbook. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't ask for a better setup to a, a, a you know, Block B match later this week. Uh, first of all, how can you not be excited at the idea of Cobb and Ishii together, just just in, in general? But then they were just tossing each other around like they were ragdolling each other. <laughs> Great. Uh, and he, how about that one little spot, uh, the suplex spot? Uh, trying to get Ishii up, and Ishii blocking it, blocking it. And the fans were just kind of like, "Come on, fucking was it was was it Shota Umino? Was it was it? Um, who who was it? Who, who was the young lion in there with the suplex spot? Uh, it would have been Narita trying to. Narita, I'm sorry, my bad, yeah, my bad, yeah, yeah. Um, holy, the, I mean, it's a, like those little tiny things where New Japan feeds you. I mean, it was a suplex spot. It wasn't like there was this giant, you know, death-defying move, but it was like everybody was behind it in a little block and then finally gets him over. I loved it. I thought the match was was textbook. I really did. I mean, 
and and yes, if you're not hyped up for Ishii Cobb now, like like you weren't before, but okay, we just added a little, little extra air, a layer of icing on top of it. It's fucking great, fucking great, and the, and again, the crowd was up for this. Everybody, everybody was pumped for everything. Ah, what a great crowd! Really, really good job. Third match: Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto defeating Chase Owens and Jay White. Goto pinned Owens in eight minutes thirty-eight following a GTR. Nothing to write home about here. Um, didn't think this was didn't really jump off the page. It was fine. Well, let me let me let me tell you a little something. Let me let, let's talk a little bit about the press conference with Jay White. So Jay White is in there, and he says, "Okay, these are the questions I'm not going to answer." How does it feel to be in G1? How does it feel to have doubt in Dallas? Blah, 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 blah. I've heard these a thousand times. Blah. So, But that, those were the cookie-cutter questions, right? Everybody was asking, right? So I ask, uh, talk to me about Chase Owens and the role he plays in helping you prepare for your B-block tournament matches. And he goes, finally, a good question. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, you got uh, the Jay White seal of approval. That's right. That's right. I was like, fuck yeah. Uh, also, uh, Kevin Kelly, when he came in. So I, I wanted to leave real quick um, to go to the bathroom. I again. Uh, and as I was opening the door to leave, somebody was trying to open to come in, and it was Kevin Kelly. And he looks at me and he goes, Damon, you can't fucking leave. So he goes to the, to the, to the desk, and he goes, all right, Damon McDonald from the Super J-Cast, you have the first question. And I'm like, fuck. All right. And I gave him some cookie cutter, you know, how's it feel, Dallas? You, you calling all the history to wrestling, blah, blah, blah. All right. So anyway, this match, yeah, it was, it was, it was okay. Look, I know, I know it's, it's almost becoming the cool thing to, to be like, I'm so edgy of a person that I'm going to root for Yoshihashi. You know what I mean? Or, or I'm, you know, I see the value of Hiroki Goto. Okay. All right. If you want to die on that hill, knock yourselves out, people, because I'm done. Because, and I made the, the bag of socks comment, the Lanza, and apparently that was the first time he's heard that one. And he was just <laughs> roaring laughing. Uh, bag of socks. Just a bag of socks. Uh, to me, Chase and... Um, Chase and Jay were the stars of this match. I really enjoyed seeing them. I, I like them as a tag team. I I would like to see them as a tag team. Truth be told, like I'd, I'd like to see them in that in that mix. They could make that really interesting. I mean, then I think Jay's at a point where he's too high to to put him in the tag. Um, but, but again, what does that say about your tag division? But I would like to see that in the future. Fourth match: Jushin Thunder Liger, Juice Robinson, and Toriano defeated Bushi, Shingo Takagi, and Tetsuya Naito. Yano pinning Bushi in 8 minutes 18 following a roll-up. How was it seeing your boy Liger again? I think uh, always great. Like, I didn't see him at the meet and greet. I didn't see him, like, uh, at any of that. Um, crowd was into it. The crowd kind of felt, you know, they knew they, they knew the significance of seeing him. Um, Yano was over as fuck again. Um I'm trying to think of like what the highlights for me were of this match. I mean, they did the smart thing in working over Liger, right? Because everybody was into seeing Liger, getting heat on him. Uh, Lanza made a comment that I wholeheartedly agreed with. Like, how do you not fucking give Liger the pin there, right? You know, how do you how do you not do that? But you well, know, that, that's what Japan. I mean about them being set in their ways. Like, right. they 
Ne- oh, the guy who's got the G1 match coming up next has got to get the pin to build up their momentum going into the G1 match. And it's just one of those things where you want to have a bit of flexibility to just change things and just say, ah, oh, look, come on, it's Liger. It's the last time a lot of these fans are going to see him. Let's let him have the win here. Right, right. I mean, it is that inflexibility that you sometimes think they, they can't get out of their own fucking way. Um, and again, I understand why we don't need to hear... 5,000 comments. Oh, they're setting up people. I, I, we, I know. That's what they're for. I, I know. In this one instance, again, just for everything that you said, it, it would kill nobody to have Bushi lie down to fucking Liger. It would, no one in the, you know, would, would, would bat an eye at, at that being absurd. So, oh well. I mean, it was just a moment that they missed, I think. But, okay. You, you kind of went into it knowing. You might not get that, but the fact that they didn't do that was just a little bit, a little bit disappointing. Into the G one tournament matches themselves. So we had Lance Archer defeating Will Ospreay in eighty minutes sixteen with the Everybody Dies Claw, the EBD Claw. What did you think of Lance's new look? Good, I liked it. I didn't, and I thought I thought it was different. You know. I think he needed to spice things up and add an additional layer to whatever he was doing to kind of break out of the mold of... I mean, it wasn't too far off of what it was. Uh, but the red hair, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I liked it. I thought it was fine. A um, little, little something different. You won't get this reference, but he looks like a character from Mortal Kombat called Shiva. So any Mortal Kombat fans there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, one little thing I really enjoy about Lance Archer, Damon, is his trash talk. It's really great. Just the little things he was saying, like when Will chopped him and Lance just no-sold it. It was like, you done fucked up now. Osprey ain't doing <laughs> shit. And then he said to the ref, I will fuck you up. He said that to Tiger Hattori, which I thought was really <laughs> funny. And it, you know, it's not like that, like Shawn Michaels scripted dialogue that you get artificially inserted into climactic moments of uh, NXT TakeOver main events. I like little things like this. It's, it's organic. It's in character. It feels authentic. It just enhances my enjoyment of the match. Um, match itself great absolutely great oh, so yeah. good started off with a freaking spanish fly right off the bat right. pace I... intensity off the charts yeah. sasuke yeah, special on... yeah. yeah on lance archer a fucking you know yeah I, again i'm sorry yeah. i don't want to cut you yeah it's unbelievable yeah i mean yeah the athleticism just ridiculous like uh yeah i was saying the sasuke special lance catching him choke sam through the table i love that it's so creative the callbacks from their previous match, like the the spot with the pounce where Lance sort of changed direction, was able to send Will flying this time. Will did a little amazing red tribute. He did the code red on the ramp. Double count out tease, very dramatic too. It looked like Lance had outsmarted Will. He shoved him out of the way. But the way Osprey transitioned that into the springboard dropkick was superb. It was just outstanding chemistry between these guys. Uh, Archer had some new moves as well. He, he had a muscle buster. Osprey was using a ripcord hook kick. I don't know if that was a little nod to Okada with a ripcord thing. And I thought the finish was brilliant. I loved it with the, the top rope blackout, the everybody dies claw. Just terrific match. Osprey, brilliant as he always is, did his part in making Lance look like the monster that he is. Uh, we know how good Osprey is. We say it every week. But I want to talk about Lance Archer for a moment. Let's give him the credit that he deserves because he had a huge spot here. A lot of pressure, having missed the last few G1s, Kiriri squad faded into obscurity. He needed to deliver here, and he absolutely knocked it out of the park. He looked monstrous in the best possible way, just a terrifying beast. And Archer was talking about that with Dave Meltzer last week, 
how in other places he's constantly told not to do certain things, don't do this move, don't do that move. But New Japan just tell him, turn it up, be more aggressive, more monster, more big. That was the quote. And <laughs> honestly, Damon, I think he's one of the most underrated guys, one of the most underrated wrestlers on the planet. And I think this was the best match of his career, certainly the best Lance Archer match that I've seen. And he's not a young guy. He's 42, Damon. Yeah. And he's improving. Coming up back surgery. Uh, Right, you you see lots of wrestlers. They have this sort of resurgence in the late 30s where, you know, like the mental, the psychological ability starts to dovetail perfectly with the physical ability. And Lance Archer, he seems to have hit this sweet spot at the age of 42. Like you said, two years after he broke his back. He broke his back. This man was 40 years old. He had surgery on a herniated disc. He was sidelined for six months. And now he looks fucking incredible. The, The man's taking code reds on the ramp. Spanish flies on the top rope. It's a six foot eight, 42 year old who broke his back. That's mental. So let's give it up for Lance Archer. Absolutely. Without question. Would it, would it, would it surprise people if I were to say, and again, I haven't gone back and watched on, on television. So I don't know how it came across on television, but live in the arena. This match might be my favorite match of the night. It was, as the kids say, an absolute fucking banger. And you're right; it started off hot. There was no, at no point was was anybody sitting there. First, you know, you're hyped because it's G1, and here we're starting, and, and it's the first match, and they come out with that fiery open. And you're right, Lance destroying Will on that table. Uh, <laughs> so many just just crazy spots for a guy at that size. You know, he shouldn't be doing those things. You're right. At that age. And again, he broke his fucking back. Yeah. To me, you're right. He had to deliver. And 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 he was put in a good spot to deliver with Will. Who who again, just fucking outstanding. Every time. What what in in, in in like New Japan is absolutely so fortunate to have a myriad of these type of guys that can just go at a high level and produce these type of matches at every go. And uh, again, will will in uh, in New Japan. In New Japan Pro Wrestling, Will Ospreay, you could put up there right now this year as top three, top guy. Where do you put him? Again, it's Will Ospreay. Where in years, before you might not have even put him in fifth, whatever. Lance Archer, a guy who, for all his KES shortcomings, right, knocked the fucking ball out of the park. When he had to step up and do so. It's an amazing thing. When you give these people opportunities to shine and you take off whatever handcuffs they might have had before. And that's not to say that David Boy Smith Jr. was a handcuff. But being I was going to ask you actually if you think David Boy Smith Jr. was holding him back, but I guess I you mean, don't subscribe to that. I, I don't because you could be an awesome tag team. But, look, he took it to another level. 
This was the best. A guy at 42 years old having his best match. Think about that. And how many years has he been? 20 years has he been wrestling? Right? Come on. It's amazing. You don't, you don't, that, that, that. Did this just happen? He just learned how to do all this shit? No. This shit is, 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 is inside of him. So it's kind of like this. If Lance Archer is now that guy, who else is there? That if you just give them the opportunity to do something like that, who else is out there that can do that? That's what's amazing to me. 42 years old, broken back. Again, he's in there with, with a guy who's having a, a career year as well. What an amazing job, though, by Lance Archer in his hometown. I'm sure, so I'm sure he, you know, he, he, he was you know, a little, little bit more butterflies than maybe normal. What an outstanding job. Now, here's the key. All our praise, all, all of our stroking of, of Lance and Will. Let me ask you a question. You might want to get out your Google machine to give me an answer. What does Lance have next? Do you know who Lance's next opponent is? Because that's, that's going to that's gonna be the question mark. Can he, can he match this? And can he still maintain this? I don't I'm even say this type of pace or this type of match structure. But is he going to be able to deliver with, in the ring with a guy that's not named Will Ospreay? That's going to be my. Who question. would be the worst? Who would be the worst possible opponent in that block for Lance Archer? Fale. And that is his next match. Yes. Yeah. How do you think that's going to go? Well, I said it before. They had a match at last year's New Japan Cup that I thought was pretty good. I like having the big monster matches. It's like watching a kaiju film, you know, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah or whatever. I think, you know, I, I dig stuff like that. I know it's not to everyone's taste. Some people are going to probably watch and be like, oh, it's slow, it's boring, the work rate's not there. But I think Lance has got enough intensity and sort of the, the sort of ferocity of his character to make a match like that compelling for me, as long as they keep it nice and short. That one, five, six minutes tops, I reckon. And right. it could be good. Right, keep it short. Uh, Lance is going. There's going to be a lot asked of Lance on this one. He's going to have to be the bump guy, right? He's going to have to uh, make Fale look good. Because it ain't going to be the other way around. Uh, yeah, I'm, that that one. And now I'm even more interested in Lance coming off of the Will match. I'm 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 now interested to see. Okay, was that? And I don't think it is. Because this this was a a stellar performance by by Lance, but now he's going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting in this one. So uh, I'm going to be very curious to see this match for sure. Now, of course, look, I'm not expecting you know Fale to perform at any type of level of Will Osprey. Will Osprey helps a lot in this equation, uh, but I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what kind of heavy lifting Lance can do in this. Jerry asks, if Lance Archer continues to deliver as well as he did against Osprey, what is his ceiling now? And Nicholas says, your thoughts on how you think Lance Archer's G1 will look after an awesome opening match with Osprey? Is this something that you think will continue or just a way to make him look more of a threat to the rest of the block? So what do you think Archer's ceiling is and what does the rest of his G1 look like? I think he's middle. He's middle of the pack. 
right? I think he's uh, to me he he seems like one of those guys that starts hot and fades fades away toward the end. Um, and again, first nights are always nice when you have those l- little bit of upsets and you know those. You know, you can't take what happens in in the first night for each block and think that that's how it's going to play out at the end. I see Lance middle of the pack. Um, he's going to and he'll probably to me. In, especially in that block, he'll probably get more losses than wins. Um, but to me, it's just more of the, the showing, you know, how he how he performs as opposed to point totals. Next match was Bad Luck Fale defeating Evil in 11 minutes 33 following a Bad Luck fall. Uh, quite the change of pace here, Damon. Um, Evil looking very shiny in his new gear. Uh, match itself, admittedly, my expectations were extremely low going into this, but I, you know, I thought it was okay. It didn't outstay its welcome. I thought it got evil over as a babyface. There were lots of evil chants from the crowd, and even though he lost, but I think the fact that he was able to show a bit of his own scheming had a bit of edge to him. He had some nice strength spots. He had the body slam, the lariats, the bit where he booted the chair out of Farley's hands. Uh, I thought Farley bumped surprisingly well for him, and he doesn't do that for everyone. Honestly, I was just relieved to see that there wasn't a DQ finish here after all the shenanigans last year. And I thought it was notable the fact that Farley needed to cheat to win. He had the ref bump, the low blow, the chair attack, and then the bad luck fall. And I do think that's significant because he didn't used to need to do all that even when he was uh, still like a a monster heel because that's a lot of shenanigans to put away one of the lower guys in LIJ. But all things considered, I like this. I mean, stars, I only go about three stars, but that's not bad at all. And this will probably be one of Farley's worst matches in the tournament because with respect to Evil, there are better guys in this block for getting an exciting match out of Bad Luck Farley. But I thought this was fine. Right. I mean, especially, you know, Tanahashi and Okada, where Farley, if he's going to have a anything sniffing a great match, it's, it's probably going to be with one of those two guys that have done it with him in the past. Yeah, I mean, to to a lot of people in the arena, this felt like bathroom break time. Um, I don't think that there were many people that were super excited at the idea of this match, but I thought it was okay, right? I thought it was I, – I, I, it didn't – I wasn't hand-waving it. Let's put it that way. Um, Fale, I love the fact that once again – and again, New Japan is – this is what they do uh, – you're not you're not getting out of kicking out of the finish, you know that 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 bad luck fall, that it's lights out and I, and I like that and and it it kind of I was split in the sense of okay if evil loses here, there's no way, no way that they were going to have a double dip of losses for Los Ingobernables, right? It just didn't feel that way. So when Evil did take the fall, I was like, okay, they kind of, to me at least, showed their cards and what we were going to see later on. Um, but, yeah, I don't think anybody's expectations were that we were going to see greatness. I think everybody there was hoping for good, and I think it delivered good. Uh, and again, you're right, no DQ, no bullshit. Um, I, I did hear somebody mention, though, uh, why was he Fale in in G1? And it, the only explanation, and the, and the reason was, well, didn't he get disqualified, disqualified like like ten times, or I don't even know, six times or seven times, or whatever, last year? Like, why would they put him in it? This was, I think, one of the people that were fans, like one of the the the, the friends in, in in that were in the suite. 
I couldn't explain. I was like, well, he's a big guy, and, you know, he's, you know, uh, I, like, I couldn't really kayfabe quite, like, I couldn't kayfabe answer, well, you know, he's the former this. Like, I was like, well, he's a monster. You, you want to be the guy who goes up to Farley and says, hey, Farley, you're out of the G1 this year. They're oh, all right, too scared right. to do it. That's why he's still there. Right, I, right. That was, I guess that was kind of the, my answer. I didn't really have a good answer. I really didn't. Uh, I guess the Bullet Club had to have a representative besides, I don't know. I, I don't even know what I said. But yeah, I didn't really have a good answer. I was like, oh, that's a good point. Um, but uh, that being what it was, I'm glad it wasn't a DQ and a clean finish. So, so well, well, clean as it got, you know, minus the, you know, the ref bump ball shot. But you know what I mean. All right. I mean, it's an interesting point you bring up about him being the other Bullet Club representative and the only Bullet Club representative in this block. So I think he's he's got to stay strong here. And he always does. He's sort of hovering around 10, 12 points. And I'm sure people's pickers, mine included, Probably had him on much lower than that. But you know he's going to be up there. Um, we had a few questions about Farley. Matt says, will the Farley match be the piss break in every A block show? And John says, can you guys explain bad luck Farley to me? What's the appeal? Why is he treated like such a big deal? I never understood it. He wrestles like he's six inches taller and 100 pounds heavier than he actually is. I think part of this treatment is the fact that he's a dojo boy. And the fact, maybe now that he is doing all that work with the Farley dojo and helping bring over fresh talent from um, the Australian New Zealand area has maybe puts him in their good books even if his wrestling isn't up to scratch but another aspect for me Farley is quite interesting to look at in terms of how his opponents are positioned because it's only really the top guys who get to beat him clean he's still relatively protected as a commodity like a gatekeeper so I think he does have some value there yeah I'm lucky he absolutely has value a, a guy that size has value when you get wins and and let me ask you that I mean who, who else are you going to give him win? he's not like he's not going to win it in anything in that block He's got to win something, right? He's not going to walk away with, like, one win. Um, and he's a guy. Evil's a, a person. Like, if you're going to get a win for Fale, I mean, Evil's probably a guy that you could do. And, it, and it, you know, he's a former Intercontinental champion. Intercontinental, right? He had an Intercontinental. Um, you know, he, he's, he, the size is the gimmick, and it always has been. And he's gotten wins over big people in this company. So there's a history there. Now, right now, today, is he in the best shape of his career? Eh, he seems to be a little bit off the diet, right? Um, he, he's, he's, he's even more lumbering than he once was. I get that. But it is, it's bad luck folly. You can get a win. You can get a win off of him. And, and it's not going to be hurtful. Um, this does nothing to hurt evil. But you know, if folly is going to get a win... This is a nice, safe place to do it. Yeah, again, as long as it's not DQs, I'm I'm perfectly fine with him being there. Because what I don't want to do is sit and watch a 10-minute match that ends in a DQ. Because to me, that's a waste of my time. As long as there's a finish, I'm good with it. Um, let's move on to the next match then, which was uh, Sanada defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 21 minutes 12, following an O'Connor bridge. Uh, what do you think of Sanada's scruffy look? The hair and the beard... <laughs> um, I've heard multiple analogy or you know references to multiple different things in pop culture of what he looks like and who he looks like. To me, it's kind of like that uh, late days Kurt Cobain hair he's got going on with the you know the roots, the dark roots and the blonde hair. Uh, I'm just glad he got rid of that that fucking mohawky and gigantic beard thing. That was that the gnome look. Was not not attractive. Uh, it's fine. I, I'm look. 
I'm never going to be the, the biggest Sonata guy. Um, I like this match a lot, though. I loved I loved the reversals of reversals and reversals. Like that's my fuck that's fucking boner material for me. Um, I like the fact that it, it seems like in in just about every Sonata Zach match, there is that element of Sonata having one up on him in the sense of being able to outmaneuver his maneuvers and out trick him at at every turn. There were similar spots, you know, that cross arm and where. Zach has it kind of wrapped against his own shoulders and neck and his arms crossed and getting tied up. And Sonata being able to get out of and stuff and reversals and, 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 and pin attempts and all that. So I, I love that. I, that's entertaining and, and that's creative to me. Um, it did seem a little bit repetitious because it felt like in some cases I saw these things before in previous matches with them. But I like that idea of that story of of anybody in, in this company that seems to have Zach's number, it's Sonata. Yeah, I think a lot of this, my enjoyment of it was carried by just Zach being Zach. You know, just the little things like at the start where he avoided something and went, oh, no way, mate. Lots of horny grappling, an outstanding little sequence early on where they went back and forth with the graps. Just smooth as fuck. Again, nice change of pace and style from the previous two matches and... The bit you mentioned where he, he had him sort of his arms crossed over around his neck and Zach shimmied out of that and he had that little swagger afterwards. He's just such a cocky bastard. And when he was doing the count out tease, he's like, I've got 20 seconds, you dickheads. I'll take my sweet ass time. And then he flipped off the fans afterwards. That was really funny. Massive pop for the Paradise Lock, Damon. Um, I hate yeah, the Paradise Lock I mean, so much. Oh my God. Yeah, well, uh, can I, can like I just... most of the fans there didn't. Let me. I know, and that's fine. Look, because because they're seeing it. You know what I mean. They're seeing it live, and they've been conditioned. That is cool. Let me. Can I ask you just a, just an absolute idiotic question? Because I'm I'm an idiot. And Paradise Lock. Put it. Sonata puts him in. Guy can't move. Right. That's that's the thing. Am, am I wrong? Right. Guy can't move. Uh huh. Pin him. Pin him. <laughs> just fucking pin him. He can't move. To, to me, well, probably it just looks so easy to get out of. That's right. one of the moves that just ruins my suspension of disbelief. Right. It just look. I am fat and out of shape and a hunk of shit. I'm promising you, I will bet any amount of money. If you put me in a paradise lock, I can get out of it in ten seconds. Okay. It's right. Just roll over. Just ship. I don't know. I just it, it, I I hate that move so much. I really fucking hate that. And I know if if anybody fucking comes in or mentions Joel, they instantly get blocked with well Irish whip or you know whatever. I got it. Pro wrestling. I know. I that. Thanks. Save it. <laughs> I saw a funny tweet from Epitasis who does uh, Nate from the uh, Everything Elite podcast on Voices Wrestling. He said, probably the best thing in wrestling is when Sonata puts someone in the paradise lock and then to appeal to the crowd, plainly points at them like, look, look at the foolish position my opponent is in. Look at that. To understand Sonata, you must understand that he is equal parts extremely cool and totally basic. Yeah. yeah. I tell you what, we were talking about, uh, Lanza and us, we were, we were talking about um, how, you know, it just seems like we we have a guy who is such a great pro wrestler that just can't find the, the whatever it is that next level that and we were kind of putting it into into, into a charisma bucket 
but we were saying that he has this he has a, a weird charisma right like an odd charisma um yeah no, like quite... we, we talked about the poll last week he's fourth most popular in japan so whatever he's doing with the japanese fans is working it's not doing it for us but it's working with his domestic crowd right right um but then in that very instant he's playing up the, to the crowd do you remember that moment where he's kind of playing up to the, the four corners of the ring and he's like the fans are going nuts and they're ready to go and he's hyping everybody up and me and Lance are just looking at each other and Lanza goes who the fuck does this guy think he is Hulk Hogan Boston Gardens 1986 because uh, it was it was it was doing exactly everything that we were complaining about with Sonata uh, in that very moment like he, like he heard our cries and he started playing to the crowd uh What'd you think of the match overall? Give me, give me a, give me a flake. We didn't, we didn't do any flakes yet. Uh, okay, first match, I think Lanson will four, four and a quarter, four and a half, maybe. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was my match of the night. Fale yeah. Evil three, and I'll probably be higher than most people on that, but I quite enjoyed it. This match, I don't know this one was tricky for me because there were some really great moments in it. Like there was a moment where Sonata caught. Zach's European uppercut and like plucked him out of midair into a backslide. It's just incredible timing and precision. And again, really good chemistry between these two. And but like you mentioned, they did the same finish as their G1 match last year. And I preferred the G1 match. I thought that match last year was <clears throat> excuse me. I thought it was tighter and more exciting. I thought this one was a bit too long and it had great moments, but there was a lot of downtime between the exciting stuff. So this Three and three quarters, I think. Yeah, I think it's that's fair. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm almost almost to the star. I'm right with you, almost to the star. So okay, yeah, we're we're basically on the same page. Good. But again, just any opportunity to enjoy Zach, like him saying, "Oi, come on, pirate dickheads," and his promo <laughs> afterwards uh, when he said, "To having a grappling match in front of these fans is like reading Shakespeare to a dog." Right, it's I did see amazing that. stuff. Uh, yeah. What do you think you do with Zaka Royal Quest? Because I'm in two minds about this. Because you could have, uh, like, let's say he beats Okada this weekend in the G1, and then he challenges Okada. But that pretty much means that he's losing in front of his own fans. Doing so probably as a Rev Pro British champion. But having said that, I was talking to our, our buddy Tom, who pointed out that at the end of the day, Zach's still a heel. New Japan's not shy of having people losing their hometown. Like you look at uh, Taguchi on Kizuna Road, Sonata lost in his hometown at the New Japan Cup. So it's not out of the question. But what do we do with Zach at Royal Quest? There are a lot of talk um, in our in our in our box about match possibilities with Zach. Look, if that's not the only loss Zach's going to have in this tournament, right? So. Everybody was speculating, well, that there's his loss, Sonata, Zach, Royal Quest, right out of the gate. And that's a possibility. You absolutely could do that, right? I don't think anybody would complain. And it makes sense to, to do that. I don't think that's the only loss Zach has. Well, let me ask you this. What if Zach beats Okada and challenges yeah. for the title? That's what I said. That was my suggestion. Yeah. I mean, that's not... It's not Shocking. That would not shock me at all. So, uh, look, you already have one that's in the bag. You know we're going to have some type of rematch with, with Sonata, right? Because there was a pinfall there. But, you know, truth be told, 
again, that's one, it's not going to be his only loss, and that story could be told of that of that match at at the Copper Box. You know, he could he could pin Okada and 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 very easily have that be the main event. Uh, Tyler asks, uh, this is the second time I can remember that Zach has got caught with a flash pin, the other being Omega in last year's G1. Is this going to become a trend that wrestlers used to beat him consistently? It's a good point. I, you don't see Zach too often getting, you know, eating someone's finisher and getting pinned one, two, three in the middle of the ring. Quite often it does come like he just gets out grapples and, and caught with like a, a roll-up or a flash pin. That is a good point. Yeah, it's not like he's getting a finisher and, and, and you know, put through a fucking the mat you know with 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 a with with a big time power move so to speak he's not very good at bumping that's why he's not the best right and he doesn't take you you go back to uh last year's sakura genesis when he challenged okada the bump that he took on the rainmaker Rainmaker, yeah yeah. crap (laughs) yeah i do remember that come to think of it yeah yeah, he's not. He's not. He's not that flashy spin bump off a clothesline guy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just that's maybe that's just what he's willing to do or able to do. Look, not everybody's perfect. Not everybody's perfect. Sometimes uh, you just play to their strengths, and that that might be it. That might be it. Eric says, not anytime soon. Still got to work out that Naito Ibushi white order, but will we eventually be talking about former heavyweight champion ZSJ or is IC belt holder or heavyweight challenger his limit? Yeah, I'm not sure if I see Zach ever holding the IWGP heavyweight title. I think he's a credible challenger. Definitely think he'd be great with the IC title, but I think that's his ceiling. Thank you. I'm thinking you're probably right. There's, there's probably not. Yeah, I see. I mean, they. I mean, never is below. I, I would probably say I see, but that's a lot of people, though, right? I mean, they, they, I would say, and that's a good thing to me. That's a good thing. We've said it a thousand times, but I think I see his his his, his ceiling. And Michael says, have you seen the squared circle threads on Zack Sabre Jr.? Jesus Christ, it's funny people genuinely getting worked by wrestling in 2019. So no, ask for some examples. Apparently people what calling happened? him a commie fuck, loads about how he isn't really a wrestler, saying he's just what? a bad Jack Gallagher, bringing up the T-Tacks unironically. And uh, yeah, Michael adds, it's pretty incredible how thin-skinned American fans are. I think are they there serious? Is something about, it seems like it. I think there's something about... Um, British, dare I say, left-leaning men that does seem to rub a certain subsection of fans the wrong way. Well, you would know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think you probably have gotten personal uh, 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 experience with this. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean... I miss I the old Puricast. <laughs> um i don't i i want more bernie sanders talk um i don't i don't i i, I didn't see the thread so i can't really comment on it but i i'm 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 blown away by the stupidity if that's true <laughs> it's really mind-numbingly dumb take for sure um, but 
hey, what are you, what are you going to do? I mean, if, if, I, like they're upset, that, but like I don't understand the commie part. What's the commie part? Well, I guess the fact that he expresses left-wing political views. Okay, that's that's communist. I thought they were completely different. Than, all right, I I don't want to get into that fucking debate. Well, it's just taking uh, it to the extreme, isn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, and and what what else now? He's not a good wrestler. Yeah, well, I think a lot of criticisms about his physique as well. Oh my he god, still like a, a credible wrestler. Oh my god. All right. Okay. All right. Well. All right. Thanks, Vince McMahon, for yeah. chiming in. <laughs> <Move> <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Next match, then. Uh, eighth match was Kenta defeating Kota Ibushi in 20 minutes 51 with a go to sleep. Rocco says, Did Kenta versus Ibushi live up to your expectations? So, Damon, discourse is either that the old Kenta's back, motherfuckers, fuck yeah, or look at this fat, washed up Hido Itami tub of shit. There is no in between, so don't be a coward, Damon. Which side are you on? I'm on Kenta's back. If 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 I'm extreme, but I'm not. Because I am in the fucking middle. Why can't people be in the fucking middle? It's not that hard. How what do you I mean look, we went to this match because on paper it was sexy as fuck. Absolutely. But but I didn't we sit here on this very fucking show and say, hey, look, it's been five years since this guy's had really strong competition. It, you know, he's coming off his shoulder shit. He probably still hasn't recovered. I don't think that you're looking at a guy that, I mean, nobody expected a little bit of, of, of a paunch. Okay, no, I, I will give you that. Um, I, I don't, everybody was hoping to see Kenta of eight, ten years ago. And I'm sorry, but you don't sit there at 205 Live with so much rust on you. This was his first match in, in, a, in, a, in a couple of months, wasn't it? First match, let alone a match of this type for five years. And I don't, I don't understand what people were looking for. Well, I, I know what they were looking for. And again, yes, everybody was hoping that that could happen. But realistically, you went into this match with those reservations. I thought the match was really good. I don't think the match was great. On paper, when you see the Fire Pro Wrestling uh, match in front of you of Kenta versus Kota, and your fucking mind starts spinning, and your pants are fucking down, and you're ready to jack it to the idea of this match being... 9,052 stars, okay, your expectations, you're going into it high, and your hopes are there, but realistically, realistically, I think this is exactly what we were going to get. Good, really good, not great. Will we get great out of Kenta? I think so. Can we give the motherfucker a little bit of time? Can we give him a little bit of time? Can we give him a second to catch his breath? It's not Kenta of 10 years ago. It's Kenta 2019. And it was good. It wasn't great. It was good. Give him time. Give him a fucking second. He's got a long tournament. I, look, I'm, I'll be happy if he gets out of this fucking thing alive, to be quite honest with you. I thought it was fine. 
thought it was I thought it was good. I thought it was a good performance. Not great. Not 2008 Noah. A good performance. He was saying all the right things. He had an interview with, uh, I think it was the New Japan website earlier in the week. And he was talking about how frustrated he was working with WWE and like creative, like people, one person would tell him one thing, then another person would tell him the complete opposite thing. And he was pissed off about not being able to use the finisher that he invented. So he obviously had a chip on his shoulder. And I think people really psyched themselves up that we were going to be getting Kent at his peak. And I agree with you, Damon. I thought this was a very good match. It was it was a nasty, ugly little match. And it wasn't what I expected. It was stiffer than Ben Askren, five seconds into a fight. And my match summary of this is Kenta kicked the shit out of Ibushi. And that was yep. it. That's pretty much what happened for 20 minutes. It was very yep. one-sided and quite methodical. There were a few blown spots, like the kick counter to the Piscato, which missed uh, the go-to-sleep which landed on Ibushi's arm. Kenta does look rusty. But yes. again, that said, it was a good match. It was violent. It was emphatic. Just maybe not what a lot of people, myself included, were expecting. It did lack that high-paced close and stretch that people are yep. used to, which isn't a bad thing because I don't want that in every single high-profile match because it does become a bit ridiculous where everyone is doing that you know, high-speed reversing each other's finishes. We had a bit of this. We had the Kamigoye reversed into the GTS attempts. That was reversed into Crucifix pin attempt. But at the end of the day, it was head kick, GTS, Kent is the better man. Yeah, I think the the disappointment that people felt was, right, you didn't have that closing three-minute, four-minute stretch of boom, 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 kick out, big, you know, you didn't have that to... to, to there wasn't... Here's there wasn't a, another gear that they kicked it to, it felt like, right? There wasn't, it felt like the match was at a certain level and you never got to that next level in the closing stretch. And I think that's where people were kind of like left wanting more. And you're right, it was Kenta kicking the shit out of Coda. I don't think Coda had offense like 10% of the match, right? And I think there were some people that were disappointed with that. Um that was my biggest complaint was that to me it felt like there was a gear that they never reached in this match um, that I was constantly looking for and looking at my watch and, and kind of saying, okay, how much time we got left? Let's, let's go, boys. Like I kept saying that in this match. That was one thing I kept saying in, in – in, well, come on, boys. Here we go. All right. Now, and you always thought there was a spot where it was like, okay, here we go. This is where we kick it into high gear, and it never – and never reached that. And I think that's where people kind of left left a, with a little bit wanting more. And you're right. There were a couple little little sloppiness. The, the one that stood up to me was the one, the, the whip into the, the turnbuckle, where so I guess somebody was supposed to reverse or didn't reverse. And it just, you know, Kenta wound up taking that into the corner. It was like you know, just kind of backwards walking into the corner. It's a little sloppy. But again, I don't want to give excuses. I hate giving excuses because at the end of the day, it is what it is. But uh, it's five years. Five years in purgatory. You know, I, 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 I would have loved to have seen Kenta of 2008. It, 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 it didn't happen. It was still good. Expectations weren't met. Smokey Kingston says, do you think Kenta should have had a couple of matches before facing Ibushi? 
Um, in hindsight, probably. In hindsight, probably. Um, I, I understand all the reasons why from a, from a promotional standpoint. But in hindsight, it might have been the best thing to do. I do wonder, Damon, if they were sort of holding back for a rematch down the line. If you're one of these people who's got Ibushi's your pick to win the G1, then maybe that's one of your briefcase defences. So something to keep in the back of your mind. Uh, Dat Nizzle says, who else is joining Shibata's faction with Kenta and Ibushi? And Tofa says, do you think that the takeover shirts worn by Kenta and Goto, along with them highlighting Shibata watching in the crowd, is foreshadowing to a new faction? Chaos is pretty big and stale at the moment, so it could help even things out. Just a thought. So uh, I, I think we touched on this before in previous weeks i think that would be great i think that would help freshen up goto and you could put in maybe the la dojo young lines eventually so i would be fully on board with that yeah i would have no problem with that i, I honestly wouldn't for all my anti-factionism i would have no problem with that and again with young lions returning home um you know we might we might see something along those lines right we do see shibata at a lot of these shows too right he was at the uh Dallas show. He was watching this match specifically from the corner, from the corner of the ramp. Um, so he was in attendance. So uh, look, I want to be surprised. Would not be surprised at that. And that would be a good thing for everybody involved, I think. Main event Kazuchika Okada defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi in 22 minutes, four seconds, following a Rainmaker. First of all, Damon, did you see that guy in the crowd with a sign that was half Cena's face, half Okada's face? Oh my god, no. Oh my god, I just spent ten minutes fucking talking about how great this crowd was. No, I did not see that sign. I, I honestly didn't. I might have been on the opposite side of where we were because I did not see that sign. It was why why would anybody do that? Why would why would that be done? <laughs> yeah, you should have been kicked out. That was horrible. But, <laughs> really? I mean, honestly, I would be less offended if the guy had a sign that said, fuck you and your children. You know what I mean? Like that would be less offensive than seeing a sign. With that, why, why would you? Why would that be done? Why? Who? Why, who? Who allowed this to happen? Now, talking about the match itself, well, I say that, but one of the you touched on it before. The most memorable part of this match was the crowd pop for just them staring down at the start, and it was wonderful to hear a crowd that truly deeply appreciated that they were about to be treated to a chapter of one of the most historic, iconic feuds in professional wrestling history. What a moment, Damon. It's, it's, like I said, it's something that I'm going to take to my grave. It was a moment. To be there live, um, it was breathtaking. You know? I was, I was, it was that, like there are, there are, and there's not many. You could probably count them on two hands. That was that was a moment where you could say I, I'm proud to be a pro wrestling fan, like 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 I could I could go in there with you know a family member or go in there with uh, a friend who doesn't watch wrestling and be like oh, okay this is why I watch this is what I you know this is why I like this a lot like that moment and I, I and I don't think I think both of those guys in the ring uh, knew it and felt it and appreciated it. Because there's always this little undercurrent with them where, ah, oh, this is American. This is, we're not, you know, and it might be just Japanese humbleness, but it's, you know, a lot of that is a feeling of, you know, oh, are we really that, you know, and they were, at least, at least for those, those 4,800 people that were there, they, they gave, they, I think they gave everyone a moment that 
no no one in that building will forget. And that's that's that was awesome. That was awesome. Um, the match itself. Well, Matt, yeah, 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 go ahead. No, I was going to say the match itself to me was tremendous. Um, it was uh, it was described by someone else, um, and I forget exactly who, but you know, it was textbook playing the hits. Okada Tanahashi, right? They played the hits, and and we we saw history. I I saw history. I saw a live uh, pacing. <laughs> the famous Lanza line of the the pacing back and forth, like he was doing it, and I was like Joe Lanza pa- pacing in his suite, right? Uh, as he as he was, I'm pacing in my suite, and then wait, then then he did he didn't he tweet that and, and use it as his own? Didn't he use it? Didn't he tweet that out? I gave him the fucking line because he laughed at it, fucker. Um, yeah, so. Uh, it was great. I thought it was uh, over four. I went over four by a shred. It made me like four and a quarter-ish. Uh, but I loved it. It wasn't the, the best Okada-Tanahashi match. But um, I think for everything involved, I thought it was I thought it was uh, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yeah, I'm with you. It was just the Okada-Tanahashi greatest hits album. No groundbreaking new twists in the story. But I did audibly gasp at uh, the third Rainmaker reverse into the roll-up because I, I thought oh, I yeah. had him there. But this was surprisingly short, Damon. It didn't come anywhere close to uh, the time limit draw. And their shortest match, apart from the 2010 match where Okada was a young lion, was their first one, the, the Rainmaker shock at New Beginning 2012, which went 23-23. So this went 22-04. And since 2013, none of their matches have gone less than 30. So I was quite shocked that it was just bang, 22 minutes, Okada's better than Tanahashi, and that's that. I will say this. That was the quickest 22 minutes. It flew by. It, it, it was 22 minutes. Like it was, it was like if you got a 22-minute couch dance from the hottest girl ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like the next thing you know, oh, my God, we're done. Uh, it was just tremendously – like you're just you're, – you're in a moment. And, it, it, you know, it – because here's the thing, when they made the when they made that call, that 20 minute call, I, I, I might have been, I don't know who, but we we, we were kind of was that 15? Like somebody, we were talking, it was the 15 minute call, and at first we actually thought that the match went le- you know less than 20, but it was the 20 minute call. We finally got that sorted in 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 our in our suite there. Um, yeah, it went quick. It, it did it did not lag behind, that's for sure. It was the quickest 22 minutes of my fucking life, it felt like. Was that at all disappointing for you in terms of the story that Tanahashi and Okada have been telling over recent years? I mean, look, I, I, I would have loved the... I mean, I would have loved, loved to have gone a, a fucking 30-minute draw and then they said, okay, we're going to... We're going to restart the match and they win another 30 minutes. That would have been fine. I, I every, Here's the thing. And we joke about it, you know. They they did the greatest hits. Everybody wanted an encore, you know what I mean? Like everyone wanted more. They could have ended it. They could have gone an hour, and then everybody in that building would have wanted what would have wanted more. Um, no, it didn't disappoint in this in that sense. It wasn't like I I felt like it wasn't like I felt like I like I got ripped off or anything like that. It was more of, oh, I just want more of that. You know what I mean? I just, it, it's like, it was like leaving the dinner table completely satisfied 
And you could have had that one extra piece of steak or that one extra piece of shrimp or that one extra slice of pie, but you didn't. And you feel better about it afterward. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And it's something that I've been saying in recent weeks as well, that I don't think every New Japan main event needs to be like 35 plus minutes. And that was getting a bit stale. So again, I will applaud the fact that the Dominion main event, Okada Jericho was 25. And here, I know obviously there's the G1 30 minute time limit, but the fact that they wrapped up in 22 minutes, uh, I mean, I'm sort of torn here because given the Okada Tanahashi story, the time limit draw would have been appropriate here. But the fact that they told their story in 22 minutes, I've got to give them a a thumbs up for that because, uh, like I said, I've been complaining that the matches are going too long. And this was, yeah, like you said, just in terms of the match itself, the in-ring action, absolutely perfect. There weren't any moments where I got bored or, you know, fucking about on Twitter. It just had my attention from start to finish. Very exciting and very dramatic. Yep, and think about the people that, have now, I wouldn't say set a mold, but began that process of let's not make this formulatic 35 minutes, we're waiting for the closing stretch, big match, New Japan style. And again, the 30-minute time limit has a lot to do with that, but the two guys that are in that ring, Okada and Tanahashi, are your two biggest stars of the company that have now said to the fans and to the community and to the watchers, that, okay, we don't have to do that. So maybe it might be the end of, and, and again, I'm sure we'll still see the 35-minute classic stretch, all that stuff. That, that'll that still be a huge component of main event matches. But it could be a beginning of a reconditioning. And again, if we had one complaint about these epic matches, which, okay, we're complaining about epic matches, but okay, is that... That, that formula, right? And if we're chipping away at that, that, that might be a good thing. And it's the two biggest stars in the company that maybe have started to chip away at it, which is significant. There's a time and a place for the you know, 35-plus minute spectacular. But like wrestling Don Taku, I don't need a 38-minute Okada Sanada match there. You know what I mean? And I've said before as well, I think it would be really great if some of these G1 main events were just like a 13-minute sprint. Just two guys absolutely killing each other and balls-to-the-wall action just to just keep keep things going fresh. So those yeah. are my thoughts I mean, on it. That's right. And the 30-minute time limit helps. You know what I mean? Like you always have that in the back of your mind that these matches aren't going to go past that just because of the, of the way that they're structured. But right. I mean, it it it, it helps. Again, the, these two guys could have... They, they didn't. They didn't go 27 minutes, right? And I think that's significant. Jazz asks, how many years do you think Tanahashi has before he retires? Does he get the New Japan dad status or just fade away into legend? He's he's going to be around for a while. He'll get a dad status, I would think, right? I mean, look at Ricky Chosho. I mean, he's not with New Japan, but I don't know. I, I, think, I, I think it's very hard for people to get it out of their blood. It's just, you know, Liger's been there since, you know, in the mix, you know, 89, 90. You know, it just has Liger. So, no, I, I don't. I don't think he just goes away. He'll 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 always be in the mix in in some capacity, uh, and then you know maybe dad status at that point. I was watching a video from Forrest Salva who who was saying that he, he had a nice idea about sort of 
downscaling Tanahashi and putting him as the champion of the never division and that becoming where you sort of have different styles of matches so he's not doing the sort of main event epic with the high fly flow and all of that but looking at the kind of matches he's had recently with Kushida and Zack Sabre Jr and where it's um, uh, Shota Umino as well where it's kind of grappling based rather than high pace high impact so I thought that was quite a cool idea that's not bad I, I I mean for me personally tags seem like a, a nice you know if you're if we're putting somebody out uh, into the sunset and out the pasture Tags, tag titles seem like a real nice fit, right? You know, he doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting. Um, still have epic matches and help elevate titles. Uh, you know, maybe that's something that they would look into. I don't know. But I like your idea too, yeah. So all in all, great show. Really nice mix of styles. You got uh, high-paced spot fest, your hoss brawl, horny grappling, uh, a stiff, strong style match, and then the classic New Japan main event epic. I was thrilled with, with with the fact that yeah, you had a mix of styles, a mix of matches. Every match felt different, yet everything was special and done at a real great level. It, it was great. I, I I mean I I I walked out of there thinking I saw a really great pro wrestling show and, and with no disappointments. Um, yeah, I I I really thought it was. Uh, listen, it was a massive thumbs up all the way around. You know, the, the my one gripe would be the fact that it, you know, it the empty arena did look didn't look good. But that aside, the, I think the fans there made up for that, and the in ring and the event. I felt like I was at a New Japan show. Yeah, you know, you, if I, you know, trust me, if I didn't know I was in Dallas, Texas, I could have been in Tokyo, Japan. It, it felt that good. Um, so the presentation was there. The, the the event was there. The fans made it feel special. Uh, a massive thumbs up all the way around for me. Let's move on to the next topic. Joe Gagne asked, how do you think New Japan will draw in Boston, uh, Lowell, New York, and Philly? And if all three shows are successful without ROH involvement, what does that mean for the relationship between the companies going forward? And Travis says, sounds like the ROH relationship is dead. So, big news uh, is that New Japan's Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour will begin at the Lowell Lowell, Lowell, am I pronouncing Lowell. that correctly? Lowell. Lowell, Lowell Memorial Auditorium in Lowell, Massachusetts on Friday, September 27th. Second show will take place at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City on Saturday, September 28th. And the tour will conclude at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on Sunday, September 29th. Tickets for the shows will go on sale on Friday, July 26th. And September 28th, we'll see a particularly emotional night in the Hammerstein Ballroom as legendary referee Tiger Hattori counts down to his retirement. What an absolute shocker, Damon. Who could have seen this coming? <laughs> Once again, there are lines that we uh, read between the lines, kids. Again, uh, I mean, I don't know what else I can tell you. We, we, you know, we're not just fucking talking about dick jokes a lot here, right? Um, it was exciting. It was exciting to uh, see official, made official, um, that you know, and I've been talking about it for years. How this Northeast is is a hotbed for pro wrestling in general, and New Japan needs to take advantage of it. Again, I, I don't think there, there's any question in my mind. Twenty three hundred is going to go in seconds. Hammerstein's going to go very quickly, uh, and the Boston Lowell uh, Lowell show uh, 
we'll, we'll, well, it will sell out, but it, I don't know at, at the pace. I think it'll do very well. Um, all within driving distance. Like you theoretically could drive the Boston, New, at least I could. I could drive the Boston, New York, and 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 obviously I could walk to Philly. I could fucking walk over the bridge in five minutes. Um, so I'm excited. It, it should be good. Uh, the Ring of Honor yeah, stuff. I, yeah, I I think that's the most interesting thing here because the fact that there's no ROH help, and I know we talk about this a lot, but it's worth digging into here because. If you look at the talent that New Japan sent to ROH for their most recent tour, we got Nagata, Goto, Kojima, Gorillas of Destiny, Evil, Sonata, Hikuleo, and the LA Dojo lines. And that's as Nicole brilliantly put it on the Discord, dads, grandkids, and two overexposed tag teams. Uh, you don't think that means something? I think New Japan are angry with ROH, which makes you wonder what exactly New Japan are getting out of the relationship at this point. Is it purely talent exchange? Because it's not production anymore. New Japan seem to have their own guys now. So New Japan have quietly spent the last few years using ROH to set up a position in the US market, basically taking ROH's spot. New Japan drank their milkshake. And the whole time, ROH bow and scrape and mind their sirs and madams and spectacularly failing to use that relationship with New Japan in any meaningful long-term way. And the same thing happened with NWA. This is something that the uh, Voices of Wrestling flagship had talked about at length. The NWA show up, they put their angles, use the ROH production, uh, Lagana gets a check, and ROH get what? Like a monthly video for their YouTube channel. And three years ago, Joe and Rich went through the ROH roster and asked, what are you going to do if the Bucks leave? Three years ago, and they did nothing. Nothing. Three years. They never bothered to work out what comes next. They got rinsed by everyone at every step of the way. And it, it, Damon, it didn't take a genius to see that this was going to happen. Everybody saw this coming. Everyone. But ROH cannot see the forest for the trees. That it seems that their sole focus is just getting to the next show. I mean, what stars have they made since Jay Lethal? You look at other people that have gone through. Adam Cole doing his own thing. Kyle O'Reilly on his way out. Completely missed the boat on Dalton Castle. Only gave him the belt after he was already broken. They haven't made any new stars, Damon. None. And with the greatest of respect to Matt Taven fans, look at their recent ticket sales. Matt Taven is not the guy. And now we talked last week about the amazing talent they have at their disposal that just wasting away. And this company, they are run worse than WWE. It is mind-boggling. And bringing this back to New Japan, they've taken ROH to the cleaners. What have they given to ROH? Like a couple of 10-minute ROH title matches on Wrestle Kingdom, a couple of nights at Karakuen, a handful of C-level talent for their War of the Worlds tour. I mean, New Japan give RevPro more booking respect than Ring of Honor, and they're right to do so because you look at that Madison Square Garden G1 Supercard, that's a great New Japan show with utter shite from Ring of Honor mixed in. It, uh, like a delicious bag of salt vinegar crisps, but someone sneaked in a few chunks of dried dog shit. So looking at this tour, I think Hammerstein's going to sell out for New Japan in a heartbeat. ROH will struggle to fill it even halfway. And yeah. then it'll be that? time to wake up and smell the coffee. That's that. That's a company who just recently, it's not like, and, and again, with all the recent departures, I'm sure it had a lot to do with that, but that place was, a, a, I want to say, a guaranteed sellout for, for Ring of Honor when they would go. Uh, they, they, they're, they're tarping off sections in that, in that building. They're going to have to. It's, it's, 
I mean, they have ringside seats that were available. They, it was unbelievable. I saw somebody do a screenshot of the tickets that were available. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's baffling how quick – and here's the thing, how quickly it happened. And again, Joel, it's not like they didn't know this was happening in, 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 in their future. You know what I mean? It's not like they were taken by surprise and they just took, you know, it wasn't like it was Hanson, you know, leaving uh, New Japan or Brody, you know, the, during the tag tournament. Like, it, you know, it, it wasn't like they were caught with their pants down. They fucking knew it and they just didn't plan. They just, it felt like they had no plan. And look, I'll be the first to tell you, there were people that were in that company that just couldn't wait to go on to greener pastures. I mean, look at the names that have, that have been there that are not there. There's a reason. There's a reason. Look, and, it, and they've always had issues with that, right? There's always been an issue of they build up stars, they go away. They build up stars, and they go away. But at least they have always had something in their pipeline, right? And they, there just doesn't seem like there's anything in the pipeline. You know, they, they, that's the most discouraging part. Somebody said, you know, Damon compared uh, uh, Ring of Honor to the to the New York Knicks, and, and it does feel that way. There's just nobody. There's again, you can have a bad team, you can have a bad sports team, but you know you have draft picks coming up, high draft picks, so you can get the the fresh young talent coming out of college and high school and whatever, and 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 be the first one to grab them. Right, you have that in your future. Or you have a developmental system underneath you, you know, minor league teams where you have talent that has a lot of future and, and they're burning up down there and they can't wait to move. They got nothing. They got none of that. Like, what do they got? What do they got? And, and there's nothing in the pipeline. There's, there's, there's nothing there that anyone is excited for. It's a really dry time to be a fan there. And even more so than dry it you you got to be looking at that situation and that that's that's panic so from a new japan perspective and a new japan point of view we're always told that hey things take time and 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 there's there is a value in being a business partner that might not translate as well to a western audience because the western audience is like get the fuck out of here Break the ties. Run. Get the fuck out. Right? Japanese, and again, I'm speaking like I, you know, I, I'm there. But from what we're told, it's, it's, it's different. Right? There's a little bit more there. Whether that's good or bad, I can't tell you. But to me, it's run to the fucking hills because this is a sinking ship. And you're right. It's not like we just got on this podcast last month. And talked about Ring of Honor. How long have I been talking about Ring of Honor, Joel? And and I know Joe and Rich on the flagship talk about it much more often than we do because they cover the whole world of programs. So you know, it's that's that's you know, it's not like they didn't see it, man. It's not like they didn't see it. They got nobody to blame but themselves. I'm, I hate to say it. I hate to be that cold and callous about it. They got no one to blame but themselves. Uh, New Japan, yeah, that what they're doing is they're going out and doing their own thing. And they can in this market. This is the market that they can. These buildings that they book, no no worries. These tickets are going to fly off the shelf and and we're good to go in September. Absolutely. 
All right, so let's preview some of the upcoming G1 Climax shows starting this Saturday, July 13th at the Tokyo Ota City General Gymnasium. G1 matches, I'll go through, you tell me your winner and any quick thoughts you have on the match. So opening one will be Juice Robinson versus Shingo Takagi in Shingo's first ever G1 Climax match. Who you got there? Um, I think they do the opposite. So I think... Uh... In this particular case, the, the the supposed junior heavyweight will will get the win over Juice. So I I went Shingo. Uh, yeah, me too. Sick match. We have John Moxley versus Taichi. That's an interesting one. Two it is. debutants to the G one. It is. Um, it'd be interesting. Um, what a weird was, match for the G one yeah. climax. Imagine someone telling you that. Right. Even a year ago, two years ago, you're going to get. Dean Ambrose against Taichi in the G1. Right. I went I went a coin flip on this one. I, I had to go coin flip and the coin went up Moxley. And Yeah, I'll go Moxley too. I think and he's got to it, keep his momentum. I guess. Yeah. I mean I, I guess. I mean, he's gonna take pinfalls, mind you. And I hate this I, I actually hated the idea of, of Tai Chi losing here, but I went Moxley. The seventh match we have Toriyano versus Tetsuya Naito. Let me ask you a question. What do you feel about an upset here in Yano winning? No. I have Naito winning the whole G1. And I've got my guys who I think he is going to lose to to set up briefcase defenses. And Toriano is not one of them. Not one of them, huh? Okay. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, I went Naito too. Eighth match, we have Tomohiro Ishii versus Jeff Cobb. This is going to be fucking great if that tag match and Dallas was anything to go by. Uh, they are just going to beat seven shades of shit out of each other. And let's remember that Ishii is the never champion. So if Jeff Cobb wins, that could be setting up a nice little rematch for you and never title defense somewhere down the line. Yep, I think so. Uh, yep, I think everybody's looking forward to this one. Again, Dallas helped set that up. But yep, this should be great. I have this one circled. I went Ishii. I'm going to go for Jeffrey Cobb on this one. Mm. Just because I want that rematch. I think that's something that they could do. Maybe one of these foreign shows. And main event, we have Hiroki Goto versus Jay White. I've got to say, Goto has to win this. If he loses after all this build up and Goto saying, oh, I'm back and, you know, he already lost to Jay White at the, I think it, was it the Sengoku Lord or Hinokuni? Maybe it's Hinokuni, I think. Goto's got to win this one. Gotta He'll probably win, lose, right? but he's got to win. You would think he has to win. How do you... I think right. he's going to win. I have him as a win. I actually do have him as a win. But here's the thing. Who do you see closing this show? Giving a speech, grabbing the mic. Jay White or Goto? Mm, well, just based on my pick, it would have to be Goto. But having Goto right. closing the show with a right. microphone in the ring, I just I can't picture it, David. Right, it's weird. Right, that's what I'm saying. That was the that's what I struggle with. To me, Goto has to win from just a pure. How can he fucking lose this match? Right, just from that pure idea. But can you picture Goto closing this and streamers f- popping and a, a, a celebration at the, <laughs> the right? At the it's idea. making me laugh. 
Right. It's preposterous, isn't it? It's preposterous. Joel, Jay White wins here, right? No, Jay White I'm, wins. I'm going no. to be brave. I'm saying Gotto wins. You can no. laugh at me next week for my naivety. But Jay if White Gotto wins. doesn't win this, he, he's dead. He's absolutely stone cold dead. Uh, I think I think you better check for a pulse right now. Because the bag of socks might might the, the bag of socks might be transferred over. Um again, first round, first first night matches, there's always the upset, there's always the 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 the, the quote shocker. I just can't picture Hiroki Goto closing out a show. And again, maybe he just nods and waves and it goes back to the locker room. Who knows? Or maybe they find some creative way to get out of him celebrating. Post-match beatdown. I don't fucking know. But I'm telling you, right now, in, in on the 9th of July, 2019, I cannot picture Hiroki Goto closing out a show victorious. I just can't fucking say it. I could be dead wrong, but I think Jay White wins. Well, I'm certainly excited for that one. Sunday, July 14th, in the same location, we have Lance Archer versus Bad Luck Farley. We've talked about this one already. Quite difficult to pick a winner here between these two monsters who have both uh, got off to a win. I think, you know, if we're, if we're being fair, um, it's Lance who could probably afford to take the loss. Um, I went with a Lance loss, Farley win. Um I, I I think I don't think anybody's expecting Lance to go two and zero out of the gate. I mean he could. I mean listen, stranger things have happened, right? Uh, but I I think Lance goes to five hundred here, goes even up, and uh, takes the fall to the folly. Any chance of a double count out? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I mean they're not going thirty minutes. Let's 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 hope not, right? Um, is there is a possibility? I I, I would think in a match like this. If, if if we're gonna have something like that, that's this is where you could have it—a a brawl in the crowd, right? Like that's that's possible because these two guys like the brawl in the crowd, right? And it just things get carried away, and it, they, I I wouldn't be surprised, huh? I'll tell you what, I would say it's better than a than a than a thirty percent chance of that happening. I won't go fifty, but I think better than thirty. With those two guys, hmm. something to think about. But no, I went with uh, Fale. Yeah, if I had to pick a winner, I would say Fale as well. But you know, I, I'm going to go with my double count out tease. I think it's the first G1 match on the card. And that would also help make the count out teases in subsequent matches more dramatic, having seen two guys already get counted out. So uh, sick match, we have Will Ospreay versus Sanada. Uh, I think Sonata is a guy who could lose to Will without really being hurt by it. Sonata's already got a win under his belt, so I'm going to go with Osprey here. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of, of Sonata and Evil kind of exchanging stuff on specific nights. And um, and I think Will gets a win back here, and I think Sonata's a guy to do it. Yeah, so I went Will, yes. Seventh match, we have Okada versus Zack Sabre Jr. Now, I had said that Ooh. Zack beaten Okada to set up a Royal Quest challenge would be my pick. But do you have the IWGP heavyweight champion losing in a big upset as the seventh match? It's not even the co-main event. It's the seventh match. Now, I'm doubting myself now. 
could. I mean, I mean, and it, it's not like Zach doesn't have a history of beating top guys. He can, he can get the win, especially in tournaments. Seems like it's his wheelhouse. Set up something for. Look, the the like we don't know the card for Copper Box, but we know that New Japan is excited for it. That's all that that's all we know. Let's put it that way. Um, and again, as of when we're recording, so um, I, I I I hate to sit back here and be like, oh, I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it it. it Zach getting a win over Okada, setting up a main event there. Why not? Let's be let's let's be be brave. Um, I I originally had Okada winning, but I I I could see Zach getting the win. I can't see Zach going zero and two though. That was the the painful part. I went Okada winning, but you 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 there is a there is more than a sliver of doubt in my mind right now. I'm gonna go with Zach. Um, eighth match, we have Kota Ibushi versus Evil. So both of these guys on zero wins so far. I like this match. I think this match is going to be pretty fun. Uh, I like the, I like the uh, power versus speed dynamic. Uh, yeah, somebody's going 0 for 2. It does make it an interesting run for Kota to go 0 and 2 and then make some big comebacks. Right? Uh... I think this is – I'm trying to think of, like, should I talk myself out of my pick? Because I did go Coda here. I'll stick with Coda. Let's oh, – I'm going to open my pickums because I've just been doing this off at the top of my head. Let's say who, who exactly who I've gone for here. Um, I have picked Ibushi for this one. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I'm with you on that. Main event, we have Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenta. Now, I could see the logic in having Kenta get another big win and really establish this guy as a threat, that he's beaten Ibushi and he's beaten last year's finalists, basically, in his first two matches in the G1. But just the way that I've booked it, and I'm I'm probably going to be totally wrong about this, I do have Tanahashi going through to the final, so I've got a Tanahashi win here. I have a Tanahashi win here too. Um... Let me ask you this. Kenta Tanahashi. Do you think that this is a match that is more suited toward Kenta 2019 version than Kota was? Yeah, it's going to be slower, isn't it? Because Tanahashi is a guy who can work a a more methodical, Deliberate. deliberate pace match. And that doesn't really work so well for Ibushi. Right. So I think this might actually be better than Ibushi. I think it might be. Um, again, for, for 2019 Kenta, I think it might be. Uh, okay, good. I, uh, I went Tanahashi. Then on Monday, July 15th, we have fifth match, Yano against Shingo. Yano against Shingo, I have picked Shingo. I picked Shingo, but I, 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 I tell you what, I spend more time talking myself out of fucking picks. Um, this, this is a match Yano could definitely win, right? Of any matches, this is a match Yano could win. 
I went Shingo. And a match after that, sixth match will be Juice Robinson versus Hiroki Goto. I've picked... I've lost it. Uh, no, I picked Juice here because they've had an ongoing story, a, a little rivalry with Juice and Goto. And I think that would solidify that Juice is above Goto now. So I'm going Juice Robinson. Now, that would mean if, if, if Goto doesn't win, he's, he's falling behind quickly here. He's not going to finish with a well, lot I've of got, I've got him beating Jay White. So that okay. solves that problem. Okay. Uh, I have Juice picking up the win here. He's done it before, right? Um, yeah, last year, I think it was the might have been the B-block final that he beat Gotto on the last day. Yeah. And, you know, picking up that pinfall at, the, what, three years ago dash? It seems that's like for, it was yesterday. Uh, yeah, I've used picking up the win here. And the seventh match, we have Jeff Cobb versus John Moxley. Uh, Jeff Cobb versus Moxley. I'm going for Moxley here because this is an interesting one. This is... Uh, ROH versus AEW here, isn't it? Oh, you know what? You're right. That's that. That is a that is a different dynamic. Good call by Joel on that one. Uh, I went Jeff Cobb here. Uh, I think this is a match that, to me, feels and might just be be just as simple as oh, you know, two guys that are very familiar with each, with each other working in the states, maybe in the past. Um, I'm curious as to how many times they have worked together. Maybe they they've crossed. Uh, streams somewhere that didn't sound good uh i think it'll be a good match i think they i, I think they for whatever reason and i and i have no proof of this but it just feels like they would have decent chemistry i could be dead wrong um moxley here and our next match is tomohiro ishii versus jay whitehall i'm picking jay white here I went Jay White as well, and I think that's the 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 safe get bet, right? I think the majority. If you look at everyone's pickums, I'm going to be surprised if the majority have White here. Main event: Tetsuya Naito versus Taichi. Interesting choice for a main event here. I've got Naito winning. I do too, and I'm trying to think of any loopholes that would have me change my mind on that, and I don't have any. I think Naito wins. I think Naito wins. Now, a quick programming discussion here, Damon. So after that Monday show, then Tuesday and Wednesday are days off. And then we're back in action Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So do we want to do a show perhaps next Tuesday or Wednesday? I'd be down. Because I know we we do have to sort of play around with the scheduling a bit. We can't stick to our... Well, I say that. We're recording on a fucking Tuesday here, so... <laughs> right, right. Should, we, should um, we shoot for next Tuesday? So that way we're not having massive backlogs of G1 shows yeah. to cover. Yeah, I think that might be the best bet. So yeah, let's let's do Tuesday. Um, and then we can go from there. I know uh, others are doing like daily updates and shit, and that, I would love to be able to logistically do that, but it's just, it just impossible. No, only if I'm getting paid for that. It's, uh, it's only Patreon people doing that. I know Lanz is doing it, but again, that's Patreon. I think Post Wrestling do it again. That's Patreon exclusive. So if you're getting paid for that, fair play, but we're not. So you're getting your show next Tuesday. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah, we'll do that. Tuesday sounds good, and uh, we'll get everybody caught up on G1. Um, 
it's been you know listen we're one down but it, this is going to be a great month for pro wrestling and a great month for fans of new japan and uh i'm excited for everything there's there's nothing where i'm hand waving so and don't fall behind because it's going to be hard to catch up i'm telling you right now just fucking stick stick with it get make sure you're watching every night because uh and you're going to value you those nights off that's for sure i'll, t- I'll tell you that because it, it gets a little daunting in the middle but it should be good should be really fucking good kids yeah, uh, I don't think we've got time for questions. You've got to get to work, haven't you? Yeah, so, get to work. Um, yep. we we yep, went yep. longer than I thought we did, but I think I, I was really pleased with you giving us a full, detailed breakdown of your time at Dallas because I think those are the little touches that make the shows interesting and personal, not just sort of dispassionately discussing booking and match layouts and things like that. I like to hear the experiences and the people that bring us together as a community, Damon. I do too. Look, I mean, and that's to me. I I think the proof's in the pudding. When, you know, I took, you know, I I had to, I stepped took a step back and I just looked around that Buffalo Wild Wings and looked at all the people and I was just like, wow, they're fucking, they're, they're, you know, it 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 speaks volumes to me. So uh, look again, I've said it a million times on this show, but I can't thank people enough. Um, I had such a great time, and I wish I could mention everybody's name and and every story and every. Uh, but let it be known. If you came up to me and said hello, Joel, I had somebody in the fucking airport come up to me. I'm just walking in in a terminal, and somebody came up, and I, and I forget. I think he said he was from Detroit because I asked him. Like, you know, I think it was Detroit. I forget the name. I'm terrible with names. So I'm sorry. But came up and he's like, "Hey, you Damon? I listened to. I was like, Why? in the in the fucking airport. So look." Thank you, everyone. It was such a great time. Uh, let's do. Let's 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 plan for Philly. If you can make the Philly one, I, I'll make sure I'll show everybody a good time in Philly. And that's that's my town. So um, thank you, everyone who went to Dallas. If you said hi, uh, it means the world to me and and to Joel. And um, I, you have no idea how much I appreciate everyone. Again, especially three people. Brian was a fucking legend. Nicole. She, I mean, just what what can be said, right? It, it just uh, just planned a lot of this and made sure everything ran smoothly, and was was a key in me getting here and back, uh, and and Tyler as well, um, planning out this this whole thing and and making sure this really went as smooth as it did. It was just an amazing thing. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'll stop now, uh, everyone. Let's let's plan on Philly. If you can make it, it'd be awesome. All right, wrap it up, Joe. So you can meet all these amazing, cool, generous, welcoming people on our Discord channel. You can find the link to that in the show notes. And I'm really proud of the work that everyone does over there because you know, I don't want to get all hairy on you, but uh, <laughs> I like the fact that it's a welcoming community that aren't going to behave like gatekeepers and is inviting and kind to people who are new to the product and I, I think that's a real strength of our discord so if you're you know when you want to meet some nice people and talk about new japan pro wrestling and other stuff then please do join our discord buy one of our t-shirts pro wrestling tees.com forward slash super jcast i know mally has bought four so we're gonna get a bit of money this month damon i'm excited yeah. Great! Hey, there were uh, people wearing our you. t-shirts. There were there were people wearing our t-shirts at this meetup. So, uh, and I made you know made sure I pointed them out, and they were awesome. And I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, again, seeing seeing people wearing a t-shirt with my dumb face on it is fucking mind blowing. So, thank you very much. 
Massive thank you to Super Jcast Hall of Famer editor Dan. You can visit his YouTube channel, 219 Films, and on Twitter at Escape the Box UK. You can subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, particularly for Music of the Mat, the brilliant podcast from the amazing Andrew T. Rich, who did our sexy fan art stinger. Give us a five snake review on iTunes. It really helps us bump up the rankings there. Follow us on Twitter at the Super Jcast. Thank you everybody for listening and goodbye. Mm-hmm.